Bring it in. Read option, back-to-back shows, full crew, full house. We thought we would be primarily talking about the NCAA tournament today. And then one Thomas, whatever his middle name is, Brady, decided, nah, fuck that. This is about me. And uh, Tom Brady's coming back. So we're going to get into a bunch of stuff. Today was the first day of the legal tampering period for the NFL. So we're going to hit on some of these signings that have happened, some of the uh, deals that have come out. We're going to talk about all that stuff. And we're going to live fill out our bracket at the end of the show like we did last year. It's going to be our yearly tradition on this pod. It's cool that we're at a point that we actually have yearly traditions now. Um, tradition unlike any other <laughs> tradition unlike any other we we no podcast in america overuses that phrase more than we do and i take that as a point of pride so boys <laughs> how are we i'm good it's edward by the way as uh as tom brady's uh middle name uh just in case you were wondering edward? i don't know why i thought it was like james or john or something catholic and white thomas edward patrick i believe is his confirmation name there's no like uh, Thomas J. Brady. I don't know why that's resonating with me. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but the goat's back. The goat's back. He's back. Uh, and I thought he was going to come to the Niners. I had a wild conspiracy theory, uh, which I had told you guys uh, about Tom Brady coming to the Niners this year, Aaron Rodgers coming to the Niners next year for them to all, to all come home and win Super Bowls with their with their home team. But clearly, none of that has worked out. Tom Brady's coming back. Uh, but I'm just excited for this tournament. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, not only the sports equinox, like I, I was talking about last week uh, on last Friday's pod, but I mean, just the tournament itself. I, I'm sitting down in my in my basement recording this. I, I'm looking at three TVs. I'm adding a fourth. I'm going to have four games on at one time. I took the Thursday and Friday off uh, so I can watch every game. At every time, it's a beautiful thing, man. And if you're not doing it, you should get amongst it. Not a baby. Yeah, man, that's the setup, bro. That's the, taking the Thursday, Friday off, committing to it. You, you did it right. Um, no, man, I, I'm good too. I'm back in Philly right now. Uh, you know, hanging out. We got about, the weather's about to break just at the right time. It's it for some reason for me has fallen on like this March Madness every once in a while. Obviously, like at this time, I also always think about two years ago. Uh, when COVID hit and I was like right now stuck in Africa, it was like a wild time. Uh, and that was like, you know, um, for all of us, I think in two years, it's felt like longer and shorter and longer. Like, I don't know. It's been very weird, but this time of year now reminds me of that. Right. For me yeah. and the huh. spring and it's breaking, we're starting to get some warm weather. We can start going outside, but like, I always remember like, Oh, but you can't, but you can now. And it's a whole yeah. new year. And thank God we have the tournament back. Like you're saying, Scotty, the second year in a row, it just, it felt so weird without it. And Jeff, you were saying that earlier, like without that tournament, I don't know, the spring was different and obviously the world was different, but we're back to like having the tournament again. There's no really, you know, big concerns about it. Is it going to happen or not? So I'm just so excited. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up, Vito, because yesterday they did selection Sunday. Uh, It was actually my last two shows I worked on ESPNU. And it was both of our Sunday selection shows for the men's and for the women's. And that was the first thing we talked about, which was we are yesterday was the two year anniversary of them canceling the NCAA tournament. And then last year there were no fans except for select family. And now they were in a bubble in Indianapolis, right? Yeah, exactly. Now this year 
we have our full our full tournament and fans are going to be back and if if you do the math it's been three years it was the uva championship it was the zion year you know think about how zion captivated the nation right with with that whole basketball season and people actually cared about college basketball again during the regular season and and that was a huge part of zion and, and how crazy that remember obama was on the sideline when zion was playing at cameron and that was the night that he busted through his shoe yeah you know and, yeah that was against unc yeah yeah it was a duke unc game and president obama was there and, and there was just a whole bunch of stuff that that season was so special and then you fast forward just one year from that and we didn't have an ncaa tournament at all and it so yesterday was the two-year anniversary of them canceling it and then oh. to see like hey it's where we've come in those two years to feel like, Hey, we're actually going to have some sense of normalcy. We're going to be back to what it is that, you know, we love about this time of year, which March madness, the masters, this little run and then free agency for the NFL. Like it's such a, I think March is one of the most fascinating times uh, in the sports world, but the, the, the center of it. And, you know, you're talking about the equinox there, Scotty, but the center of it all is, March Madness, no question. And that first Thursday at noon, when those games kick off, it's just, you know, it, it's it's like that Joker meme when he was, what, what do you say? He's like, let it go, or he says something like that. And it's a very famous like gif of of the Joker, but it, it's one of those, and and um, that's what it feels like. It's like, hey, three, yeah, don't text two, me, one. <laughs> And it's yeah. just, we're off to craziness. And yeah. uh, that first tip off is like the, the culmination of that. And it's going to be really, really entertaining. And, you know, if I asked you guys, what could, what could possibly upstage one of the best sporting events we have in the world? One of the, the most lucrative sporting event that exists in America, March Madness generates more money than the Super Bowl, than the NBA finals, than any other sporting event in the world. March Madness is the number one sporting event uh, cost-wise, at least in America, right? Because you have the World Cup and stuff like that. Mm. If I asked you guys, what are the things that could possibly upstage that, that could possibly get in the way of us enjoying the bracket reveal as we anticipate this week? There aren't too many things on the list you'd get down to without the name Tom Brady involved. And, and for us, that's exactly what happened. So before we get into the tournament and we get into the NFL stuff, we are going to talk about Tom Brady unretiring. And we talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about, you know, the all the free agency stuff. And we're talking about why would the why would the Bucks franchise tag Chris Godwin? Right. That was the thing that rang off in my head. Like, why would the Bucks franchise tag Chris Godwin if they were expecting Kyle Trask to potentially be their quarterback next year? And it's because they knew that this was a possibility. And I'm so curious to hear you guys' thoughts on this because. Scotty, I, you know, when I texted the group when the news broke, you, you know, you were like, of course he did, right? He said something along those lines. Yeah. I had other friends and other group chats blown up, you know, the phones being like, what a drama queen. You know, my one buddy said he's the biggest and most overdramatic player in the history of the NFL. And I'm like, really, dude, the guy who didn't say anything for 20 years in Tampa Bay. And he's like, well, he said he was going to retire. And I was like, well, technically he never said the word retire. Yeah. And he was like, and then he even sent me the screenshots of his post and being like, come on, your English teacher would be mad that you couldn't find the, the, you know, the, uh, that he was inferring here. Right. And I'm like, well, yes, of course, everything he was saying sounded like it, but there is a significance to the word retire to pro athletes. Right. Whenever you see those long posts, it's always like either right at the beginning or right at the end, he says, I announced my retirement. There is something significant about that. And, and Tom Brady never said it. 
And it just always stuck in the back of my mind. Now, Scott, you talked about your conspiracy theory. I don't think it's that far off. I think he wanted to play somewhere else. And credit to the Tampa Bay Bucks that they said, hey, if you're going to play, you're playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians was not budging on it. Um, but walk me through for both of you guys how you consumed this when it broke out. Because for as much of the adoration that we had as a collective whole as sports fans for when he announced his retirement, it seems the exact opposite happened when he announced he was coming back to everyone was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? What a drama he's coming back. So how did you take it when the news first broke? See, so that's what I'm worried about, right? Like I'm, you know, when I, when I first saw that he was coming back, I I thought, you know, great. Like we get some more, you know, I I'm, I'm one of the loudest people on this podcast about like, just stay like, you enjoy what you're watching, enjoy the greatness in front of you. Right. So to have another, at least one more year of that, I'm totally cool with what I am worried about is now it's like for all the adoration and, and uh, respect we gave Tom when we thought he was retiring. Now it's, I'm worried it's going to be a little boy who cried wolf. So when he actually does retire, it's going to be like, yeah, okay. We're going to focus on uh, not believing uh, that he's retiring and potentially maybe coming out of retirement again, rather than focusing on the accomplishments and the, the records and, and everything that he's done for the game of football uh, in, in the real retirement. And that's, that's what, what I'm worried about. Yeah. I don't know for me when, when I heard it, I, I hear what you're saying, Scotty. Cause like when I heard it, I was thinking the same thing, like, all right, sweet. This is going to be good for football. Like I, I'm, I'm more interested, right? There's more talent in the NFL. Without a doubt, like one team is drastically better right now than it would have been. And it's not like a free agent going somewhere else. It's like, is he in the game or not? So really excited for him to play. I, I just think that like um, when it broke and it came out, I wasn't shocked. And I hear what you're saying about how like you're worried some people are going to kind of react that way. But like the obvious comparison people make is with him and Brett Favre and Brett Favre did this a lot more frequently and also waited way later into the year. We're not even in free agency technically yet. Right. Like he is doing this at a really good time. Um, And so I I think it's like a respectful way to do it. I don't think it's as bad, nearly as bad as any of those or or even people who retire usually up or say they don't know what they're going to do until like, right. The end of training camp and OTAs, right. Jeff, like when, when players have to report, they're kind of like, yeah. I don't know about, I might retire. I might not No, I'm going to play. And, and like, this is totally different. He's coming out before free agency. So I think, I think this is a pretty good way of just handling your business by when you need to. Right. Well, and I think you go back to when he announced it anyway, because I've heard other people say this, and, and this was one of the first thoughts I had when he first retired. And one of the reasons why I was kind of, skeptical that he was officially retired is that when would when's the worst time to contemplate retirement right after the season ends right, right? after like, you lose a heartbreaker like think like about you this let your team down like the field and yeah touchdown. but just the the end of, like every nfl player i know says that those that first two to four weeks after the season ends every single player in the nfl con- contemplates retirement at least a little bit, right? Obviously, if you're a rookie, you're young, you're green, you're like, no, I just want to get back after it. But once you're like at that vet level, like four or five years in, your immediate reaction is like, man, I don't know if I can take another year of that beating, right? So 
Chris Long talked about that all the time. He was like, every single year at the end of the season, once I became a vet and I had my money secured, I had my bag, I was like, maybe I should do it, right? Because your body just feels like shit, right? It's like being in 10 car accidents or 16, if you want to say every game is that same. You know what I mean? Every single week is just an absolute beating on your body. So you kind of have to take that time. But it was such a big story, the scope of it, the, the Tom Brady factor, right? Darlington is really tied into Brady's camp. Um, and, and Schefter obviously is as tied in as anybody in the NFL. Mm. And they got the scoop. It, it seemed like all the signs were pointing that way. And they went and, and he went for it, right? He decided like, hey, we're going to, the, we're going to run this story. We know this is out. And they announced the retirement. And it, in a lot of ways, it forced Brady's hand. I really do think that. Which is why I also understand the craftsmanship in the, the, the press release that he put out thanking everybody. But that was also the, the, the red flag about him not thanking Patriots fans. I'm like, there's no way he would full on retire without thanking the Patriots fans. I know that he may not love ownership. Uh, well, him and Kraft are still tight, but I know he and Belichick have had their issues but he loves those fans and yeah, he spent he, such a yeah. significant part there. And then he got bullied just like every single one of us have been bullied online. He got bullied into saying something about his time in, in new England. And eventually, you know, the easy joke is, Oh, well, Tom Brady spent, you know, 40 days picking up his kids from school and realized I'd much rather get hit by Aaron Donald than this. I get it. It's low hanging fruit. It gets a ton of likes and retweets on Twitter. It's a funny tweet. I get it. But I do think there's some truth in that that's that time and space away from the season he knew. And to your point, Vito, he got it done before free agency on a team that has 20 free agents. It was calculated that this was his deadline. Yesterday was his deadline. And it was going to be such a big story. Once he announced it, that we already saw Ryan Jansen, his center immediately came back. Right. Like losing to another, I mean, Alex Collins is going, I don't know what you're going to do with that. You got to restructure worst deal you got to restructure donovan uh donovan smith's deal i mean they're losing a lot up front i mean they still get worse on his rookie deal but you're right scotty right it's going to be some shuffling they're not going to be able to keep all of the free agents but if you keep 17 of those 20 free agents that's still a win and you still have tom brady who arguably could have been the mvp last season career high in passing yards you know absolutely lit it up was it playing at an elite level they're, they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender, and there's one less elite quarterback in the NFC that you have to worry about with no Russell Wilson. And so now you look at it, it's like, all right, I'm worried about Matthew Stafford, and I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers, and then steep drop off to your next level of guys. Uh, now, Scotty, you brought up Brett Favre, or no, uh, Vita, you brought up Brett Favre, but Scotty, you were kind of talking about this, and it, it, and it was one of the questions I wrote down, right? Because there's no question in hindsight, the New York Jets and the Minnesota thing has tainted the overall legacy of Brett Favre. I don't know. It's, I'm not saying that it's not, it's not that we don't appreciate that he was amazing, but it's not that whole picture, per, you know, picture perfect, wholesome idea guy. John Elway retiring at the end of, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, just like, Obviously, the Wizards era with Jordan didn't taint his legacy in any way, but it's just this little asterisk you throw on the end of it. And the best players, the Ray Lewis's, right, who, you know, even though he had all the stuff before his career, you know, at the end of his career, he rode off into the sunset. And even with with Peyton Manning, for a certain extent, right, that separation of him and the Colts made sense. 
it wasn't over the top for him to think, you know, for him to have that. And it made sense with the story arc and he still had that wholesome ending. So I'm at, I'm, the thought was how many of those Brett Favre moments do you get before it becomes a problem before it becomes like, all right, now this is going to be something we talk. Cause I think Jordan was perfect. He did the two years with the wizards. He proved that at almost 40, he could still average 25 a night in the NBA and his body completely broke down. He had multiple 40 point games in those times too. Like Michael Jordan was ridiculous on the wizards. We just think of it different than obviously bulls magic or bulls uh, MJ, but he gets that because he was the goat. And because he gets that benefit of the doubt. But when you are one of those hall of famers, all time, great guys, like Brett Favre was, you only have a limited number before it starts to impact the way that people think about the ending of your career. And I'm curious what you both think, like, what is that number? How many of these unretirements or I'm going to change teams do you get? Cause Tom Brady's changed teams once and he's already retired in, in terms of the public image once. So and it, to me, it feels like he's taxed out here. And whenever he retires next has to be the last one. For me, I, I, you know, I don't view it the same way. I don't think that changing teams and his position where he was, I don't think that was like the same because he went and won that next year. Like that was so different. Clearly yeah. it was, it was a huge benefit for him to win that next year. And I think that changes a lot and to your point. Like it's not like it, cause Joe Montana, went to the Kansas city chiefs, took him like far in the playoffs twice, but it was not like, it, it didn't sound like he won there. So that doesn't hurt him either. <clears throat> I don't think changing teams does as much, but the retiring on retiring thing that can really make fans and other like, and the media just alienate you. Right. And kind of distance you like at the end of Favre's career, there was a point like, yeah, he's the best, but you know what? Peyton's going to pass him, And like, he's just like overstayed his welcome a little bit. Right. Especially when it went like, back to the Vikings, but he played really well at the Vikings. He led him in the playoffs. He threw that horrible interception in overtime to end his career in the playoffs. But it was just like, um, again, he was a great player and it was a little too much there. But for me, this, whatever you want to like the retire on retire move here is not the same because again, if this happened so early in the off season, for me, that makes the world of a difference. Like, this is to me just a player, like you're saying, a lot of players feel this way. A lot of players like, man, I'm going to go back and just think about this. And we heard like, you know, from all, even the Rams players were talking about that. Right. Cause as they get done the end, like, Oh, is everyone retiring? And it was like, why would they like, but that was the storyline somehow after that a little bit, right? Like most players that you're saying feel that way. It probably gets out a lot, but the statement thing makes it different. Right. Cause he actually issued something, but I still mm -hmm. think the fact that he resolved it so quickly, this doesn't count as a mark in that category. And I think because you are the goat, you get like two, everyone else gets one, right. Cause you're a pro athlete. Like, you don't know, but he gets two or three. I mean, he can take as he, much as he wants from me. I, exactly. I just think <laughs> like, I, I get what you're saying though, about when do we get to the point where the public is like, Oh, cause even with the greatest players of all time, right. With Steph Curry, how many times be like, when are we like done with him shooting threes? It's like, we should never be. It's so fun, yeah. but people get that way. People I, want to see them fail. I The only thing I would add there is I think when you are the clear-cut goat of a sport, your each decision to retire, unretire, change teams is magnified that much more significantly, right? Like I, a, I think in a negative way. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like I, I think the decision to retire because that and that's what I was saying to start off is like the amount of people who came out of the woodshed. Like my, I was talking, I was with my dad last night when the news broke and I said it to him 
And he immediately launched into a, oh man, I miss all the, uh, you know, he went into a whole character almost like trying to make fun of it. And I think for casual fans, because when you are the greatest of all time, you are, you are that much more famous and that much more recognizable. I, I think it, it carries more weight every time you decide to make that kind of decision. Now, I think he's, that's why I like, I think he's maxed out. Like, I think he, he changed the teams. And I think most people understood because of deflate gate and the other stuff that was going on in new England. All right. Tom Brady gets a pass. If he wants to play for someone else, that's cool. You know, but now that he's already done that once and he's already kind of retired, even though I have empathy to an extent, because it did feel like Schefter and Darlington kind of jumped the gun a little bit because they got the scoop, but that's one of the biggest scoops in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady yeah. retiring. Right. So if you feel like you have enough and you're in that position as a journalist, you make that, you make that call. And it was double sourced. And for all, for all intents and purposes, because remember too, and this is a other weird little caveat about the whole Tom Brady retirement thing. The documentary series came out that was supposed to be 10 episodes. And the ninth episode, I believe aired back in December. And the 10th episode still never came out. And there was speculation that the 10th episode was going to be where he announced his retirement. And that 10th episode never came out. And then they lost in the playoffs. And for whatever reason, someone in Brady's camp was able to get Darlington the information and then it all gets published. So I think none of this went the way Tom Brady intended it to. And so whether he was going to retire or not, that was kind of spoiled for him to an extent. But I also think it's, hey, we're a month and a half away from the season and I'm really missing football. And you know what? I'm not done yet. Like that, that is the thing I think ultimately, and this goes back to what I would say is the biggest aspect of all of this, which is that Tom Brady's competitive juices, his drive, the stuff that's made him the goat, you know, deep down, like, you know what? I, I just can't step away from this yet. I have to keep going at this. And I think Brady. Not like that. Realized it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's, it's just a testament to, to the player that he is to Vito. I agree with you. I think he gets as many passes as he wants yes. on this stuff. Uh, but I think Jeff, I, I, I also agree with the fact that, you know, you can't just keep doing it and undoing it and doing it and undoing it. And because that tarnishes the, the reputation, uh, which is what I was alluding to at the, uh, in my, in my initial comment was that, you know, the focus of this now, especially for the casual fan who you were talking about, Jeff, is now not going to be on uh, on the accolades. Uh, the more you do it, rather, it's not the focus isn't going to be on the accolades and success and and being the greatest to to ever do it. It's it's going to be on how many times are you going to do this? We're tired of seeing you, Brady, yeah. and nobody wants that. So if he can do it on his own terms, then then by all means, man. And you got to remember too, back, right? To on your own. The three of us are are not casual fans. Right. Right. We are people who look at Tom Brady and go, I want to watch you play forever. I want to watch the like, I, like you were saying before, Scotty, right? Appreciate greatness when it's in front of you. I think as sports fans as a whole, we do a terrible job of that. But even for casual sports fans or even like those in-betweens that like they know the, all the players that play fantasy football, but they're not like nerds about it like we are. You know, those people – I think almost universally, I think they hate Tom Brady. 
I, I think everybody hates Tom Brady. Yeah. And it's all built out of envy. I mean, every single one of us would swap yeah. lives with Tom Brady in a heartbeat if we could. Every single one of us. It's, it's not even remotely negotiable. And if you say no, then I'm going to tell you you're lying to your face. You know, <laughs> like it, it's just it's just kind of the way that it works in this country. And that's why I think when you are the clear, undisputed goat, which let's be honest, think back in recent sports, right? Who is the only clear, undisputed goat that we've had in sports since Michael Jordan? Some people would say Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods, but, yeah. and there are numbers to say that, but undisputed there's, I mean, Jack has more majors, right? And there's, I mean, we can get in all the weeds we want about it, but uh, Tiger, yeah, I- Tiger's probably the closest example, but to be living in a moment where one of these very few select sports figures, Muhammad Ali, you know, Jordan, any of these people is going through this. I think we should try to look at it more through the lens of what it's like when one of those elite level players go through something like this. It transcends just the sport itself. I agree. He's more on par with those guys than he is Brett Favre even. Yeah. And now Favre also had plenty of things that people didn't like about him. And, and there's a whole nother bag of worms. By the way, know, I love Favre. God, which I, I do too. Like I, and I think Brett Favre is one of the top, well, probably what, five to seven greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he's, he's basically Dan Marina, but with a Super Bowl. He's well, and, and that's a, well, I don't want to get too into it. He was, he was one of the most backyard football guys you've ever seen. There's a great story of him. He's talking about when he was in high school, his dad was his coach, right? And scouts were coming to his game and (laughs) this is wild. They were like, Hey, we want to see Brett throw, you know, he's the quarterback, but they ran, they ran uh, the wishbone and he was like, well, you better come to pregame is what his dad told the scouts who wanted to see him throw. He was like, no, no, no. You better come to pregame because my son doesn't throw the ball. And they're like, Are, you're kidding us, right? So they finally see him. He literally throws in pregame, just runs, right? Pitches option, the whole thing for the entire game. He ends up going to school. And he's like, he never learned a three-step drop, high, low read, all this stuff he's explaining. And he said, hey, what happens if the guy's not open? Like the number one receiver, basically. What, what happens if he's not an open? And his, he said his coach looked at him very seriously and goes, you make something happen. And he was like, I like that. And he said, that's like, I've done that for my entire career. His first like guy to teach him quarterback. He's like, you got one read and then you just make something happen. And that's like been his career, but it was yeah. on that interview is him talking about that on the NFL top 100 where like, he was. And there's the famous, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. There's that famous story too, where he leaned over to one of the backups when he was in green Bay and they were talking about nickel defense. And he was like, I, what's a nickel back? He, he, <laughs> He didn't know what like what a nickel cornerback was. The band. That's, <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, that's what I always have to say, just nickel corner instead. Um, but he didn't know what a nickel corner was, right? And then they obviously it gets explained to him. And, and that story's been well, you know, nickel's round, the world, Jeff. But... Doesn't have corners. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but not, like, nonetheless, the, the point I'm saying is just Tom Brady, if, for as great as Brett Favre is, Tom Brady's just held at even higher standard yeah. because he's m- even more polarizing than someone who's considered just an all-time great, you know, and, and, and yeah. Brett Favre might have a, a bunch of accolade stats, whatever, but he's not Tom Brady. And so that's why I, I asked the question because I, I think if Tom Brady doesn't just retire after whatever this next run is, I, I think there's going to be even more public sentiment about this, Oh, this drama queen going back and forth, which is just, 
so antithetical to who Tom Brady has been for the last quarter of a century, which is an insane thing to say about someone playing the sport of football. Yeah, but it's true. He's he's, this is his he's going into his 23rd season. And he said there was a a pretty famous article um, that Bill Simmons wrote back uh, years ago. It was right. It was right when the deflate skate first started kind of trickling out and you know, Brady had this like very visceral response, but it was in relation to him versus Peyton Manning and how the two of them had always butted heads. And, and the whole emphasis of the article was that Tom Brady was like, I'm going to beat Peyton. Cause remember when Peyton retired, he was ahead of Brady in every single statistical category there was yeah. now Peyton got a couple of year head start on Brady, but Regardless, that was the the notion was, well, Peyton's the better quarterback. Tom Brady's one more. And so what Tom, his whole mindset was, well, for me, in order to beat Peyton, I need to win and play longer. I need to play until I'm 45 and then I will beat him in every category and I will have him be in, in Super Bowls and everything else. And, and that was the kind of the impetus of the TB12 method and finding ways to elongate his career and his relationship with Alex Guerrero and, and, and all that stuff. So we're, we're staring down kind of the barrel of the gun here for, for Tom Brady, where it's like, it's his last shot in a lot of ways, because publicly speaking, I don't think he survives another retirement, anything. And also as just an objective fan, I would hate to see Tom Brady drag on and stay on too late because so many of of the great athletes of all time. And a lot of times the goats all tend to have that thing. Muhammad Ali was drugged around for years after his time, right? It it happens so often in sports that the best, I mean, even look at a guy like Alex Rodriguez in the same way, like, yeah, A-Rod's piece of shit, all that, whatever. Right. But A-Rod still hung on, hung on so much later than he needed to. And it's so rare for some of those hall of fame caliber guys to go, you know what, I'm going to go out on top. But that also is what makes them great in the first place because they know like, Hey, if I can do it at a high level, then why would I stop now? Because I'm still competitive and I can still go out and do it. So it'll be interesting. Um, Going on to more practical things about what the 2022 season is going to look like right now. They're uh, tied for the best favorites in the NFL for yeah, they jump from 20 to one to 10 to one, right? Yeah. Not that right now they're tied with green Bay for the best odds in the NFC. That's, um, and that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like followed... if you're, if you're a bucks or, or a, a Packers fan, or if you're a Brady or Aaron Rodgers guy, you're saying to everyone else in the NFC, get out of the way. We want an NFC championship with uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers going at each other again. I, I would love that. I, I think, I think it would be phenomenal. Um, but this is like always the side of Brady that I don't think gets enough credit. Like I think people get annoyed with LeBron because he's very open sometimes, or at least it's very apparent what his motives are. And LeBron's super intelligent and is very intentional with a lot of what he does. But I think people get frustrated because like when he went from Miami to the Cavs, it was a calculated move because they had Kyrie and they had the number one overall pick who they knew he knew he could, they could get Cleveland to leverage to go out and get Kevin love, which is exactly what they did. So it was all very calculated and he knew he would have a better chance to win there than any, you know, anywhere else. And that was a big reason why he left Miami to do that. Tom Brady, I believe gets a ton of credit for that same move when he went to Tampa Bay, which was like, think about how weird that was when we were sitting here talk. And I think um, I, we were obviously we're not as tight as we were, but that move that day when Tom Brady decided to leave Tampa Bay 
or leave New England for Tampa Bay. I remember thinking like it felt so random, right? Like Tampa Bay, right? And that's because Tom Brady does his scouting and he knew where if I bring my talent to this team, I can elevate everybody around us, get even more out of them, and we can go compete I mean, for a championship. Jameis Winston had just thrown for 5,000 yards in that offense the yeah. year before. Well, right? it was also the 30 touchdown, 30 interception season. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's like, are you kidding <laughs> but, me? If I just throw 10 interceptions, this team's yeah. like deep in the playoffs. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'll throw more touchdowns than yeah. him too. Exactly. And that's it's a great point. And he was strategic in that. And I think this decision to come back, so much of it has – like, I'm curious, and we'll probably never know the answer to this. I'm curious how much closer he would have been to actually staying retired if Russell Wilson never gets traded to Denver. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think that affects a guy like that's decision though. I it's not as much of a like significant part of it, but it's just like that. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I don't think, I don't think he cares at all. Like, don't you think it it makes it a little bit more intriguing just as like a, huh? That's one less hurdle. Cause I don't think he looks at anyone as a hurdle that like, that's the difference of Tom Brady and everyone else. Like he just doesn't care. I think he respects his competitors. I think he thinks he's better than them ultimately. Yeah. But I also think he knew like, hey, I, I would much rather go in the NFC where after like, – who's the, who's the fourth best quarterback in the NFC right now? Right? Brady, Rodgers, Stafford. Who's the fourth best quarterback in the, NF, in the NFC? Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins, yeah. That's- J- J- <laughs> Jalen Hurts? No. <laughs> Matt Dak. Ryan? I think Dak. Dak? But even still, Stafford. I mean, uh, the Cowboys so we just had a thing. traded we had a Amari. Thing. It wasn't like the AFC where we were listing off like, shit, these six quarterbacks all have to share Super Bowl appearances. Like, what's going to happen? You're right. Like, we exactly. all had to think and about. What What did we talk about on, on the last pod, right? How weak the NFC South is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the, the Falcons are not in a position to compete next year. The roster is not built for it. And they might be better in the second year with Arthur Smith, but we're talking about them going from like the Eagles when, you know, when they went four and, and 12 to the Eagles last year, kind of a difference. We're not talking about a significant increase in like, oh, I need to worry about the Falcons and Matt Stafford. But Go even ahead. with Brady out of there, they were, it was like, hey, the Falcons, even with that roster, are, are maybe just the as, favorites. Yeah. Maybe the favorites as everyone else. Now, with the Deshaun Watson stuff, the two teams that seem to be the front runners for him are New Orleans and Carolina, which then obviously changes the complexion of what that division Big looks time. like. But even still, if if you're talking about Deshaun Watson and, and Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford as your only competition, and chances are you're going to have to play one, maybe two of them on a route to get to the Super Bowl. And then once you're in the Super Bowl, none of us are going to bet against Tom Brady, right? And, and Tom Brady's certainly not going to. I think it was, I, I think it was you. calculated. I think it was very, very calculated on his part to say, Hey, you know what? This is an easy path. And yeah, you know what? Russell Wilson is like, you just, you just got like out of a relationship. Like you just broke up with a girl and you're like, Hey, you know what? I don't really want to hit on any girls right now. I just got out of a relationship. And Russell Wilson going to Denver is the cute girl at the bar who kind of gives you that, that look a little bit like, huh, you know? And then, and then the thought pops in your mind. You go like, you know what? I said I was out right now. I said I was good, but maybe this, this, this cute girl's kind of on me up. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll think about it a little more. And that's what I mean, Vito, when I say the, like, I'm curious if that was just even just a little 
ear, you know, dog ear pop up. And you go, hmm, what? One less roadblock. And maybe, maybe that'll entice him even more to end up coming back. Uh, I mean, it was Kyle, definitely news about the NFL that he looked at his phone and was probably like, fuck, I could beat everybody. Like, I've, I've actually thought that a lot already, but when that came across, he was definitely, it, it, it definitely, uh, he read it and it was big and he knew about it for sure. Yeah. And I think as much as anything, I think it's a culmination of everything we just laid out. The competitive juices, the, the Schefter kind of, you know, cocking him a little bit on that story. You know, I, I, think, it, I think it's all of that kind of culmination and then i'm just curious if maybe that russell wilson trade was like the hmm you know that little pop-up knowing that ultimately the deadline for him was always going to be before free agency hit because if he did ever want to run it back he was going to have to have those free agents uh that's a lot of tom brady talk so we're going to change the subject here take a quick break we're going to recap everybody on some of the early early tampering period deals that we've seen come through Uh, as well as catch up on some of the trade stuff. We'll get into the Mark Cooper conversation a little more in depth. And then we will wrap with live picking our uh, brackets. And we're going to make a bracket for you guys at home to join us and compete against us. So stay tuned for that. We'll send the link out on social medias uh, as well as on this podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back uh, in just a sec. So the legal tampering period has kicked off here on this uh, Monday as we're recording it. Uh, We also saw some trades that have gone down. Amari Cooper to the Browns, as we just uh, referred to in the last segment. And there's a bunch of different stuff kind of going on. And I guess we'll do some cleanup here from the weekend from the last time we talked. And then we'll get into some of the stuff that came out today here on on, on Monday and and yesterday as you're listening to it. Now, Um, the Amari Cooper trade is really interesting because I think – it feels like, and we get this sometimes in sports, you see it in basketball where you kind of go like, what is this, like, what is this team doing? Right? Like it, it doesn't compute in your brain. And a great example of that is the Lakers this year, right? The Lakers make that trade for Russell Westbrook and they're doing all this stuff and they sign Carmelo Anthony and Dwight I'm Howard. Not, right. And they're doing all this and you're like, what are they doing? But there's that thought in your mind where it's like, well, these guys get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. So they have to have some sort of plan in place. Like it has to kind of work out. And then ultimately it just doesn't, right? <laughs> like so often it's just a complete failure. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's right. They're, they're idiots who run NFL front offices too. And not to say that Steven Jones is a complete idiot, but you know, there's been a lot of questionable contracts in that Dallas Cowboys locker room. And you can say the same thing with kind of how Cleveland's running, right? Cleveland's being run by this brilliant, you know, innovative GM who went to Harvard and has all these degrees and accolades and, and everybody in the NFL thinks he's like one of the best up and coming GMs, but they make the trade to get Amari Cooper. And you're like, Oh man, Amari Cooper with Jarvis Landry. That's going to help Baker. It's going to give more open options. And then great immediately after they say they're going to give him permission to seek a trade. And then today they release him. So these are these are two franchises that it feels like from an outside perspective, obviously not being involved in the day-to-day, can't get out of their own way. Because for the life of me, releasing Amari Cooper, and I get that he's making almost $20 million a year this year. But then to turn around what? and sign Michael Gallup to yeah. 60 to 70% of the contract that you were already paying for Amari Cooper – after he just tore his ACL like two months ago, 
that's the difference. It just doesn't really make sense. So why is it that yeah. these teams, why can't these two teams in particular get out of their own way? And maybe I'm just completely off, but it just feels like both are kind of, I don't want to say losers, but it feels like this was just a, a side move, right? Like it doesn't feel like this move makes either team better than what they were before. No. And Vito, your boots on the ground. What's going on in Cleveland over there with your, uh, your friends. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, like, it's a little bit of shock for sure. I got some texts about Jar, like about Landry because Jarvis Landry, actually for a lot of Browns fans, a lot of them love him. He's their kind of guy. He he's a hundred percent. Every play he'll do whatever he'll play through injury. Like he is a Cleveland identity guy. It's not from there or anything, but like they, the fans really do like Landry. And in my mind, I don't know what, what this is about. Right. Um, I think it's a weird move too. Cause you bring in Amari Cooper. I really like Donovan people's Jones. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL actually. Um, and so like, I think you have all three of those guys. I don't know why you get rid of Jarvis uh, and you know, what is your other move? I think you still need one upgrade here now at receiver. So are they targeting someone in the draft? Like to Jeff, your point, what is the plan? And if, if this is another one that doesn't, nothing happens after this and it fizzles out, it's like, what was so bad about Jarvis? There had to be something that was an issue that you'd make this almost swap. I mean, I think Mari Cooper is an upgrade at this at this time in his career, but in that right. offense, like Jarvis is just he he was consistent. He catches the ball well, like and and in that offense, yeah, it wasn't a deep burner, but like that was okay. And I'm really interested to see what's their other move. They need one more guy here, um, and I don't know what that is. I guess the draft well, that's a, I, that and, and that would make sense because if you're thinking about it, hey, we can have Amari Cooper and Jarvis Landry, who has had some injury issues and mm-hmm. has not been a, a perfect fit with Baker. Um, or we can say, hey, we're in the first round and we can pick Garrett Wilson or Chris Alave and we can grab one of those guys and they can come in and, and we're going to pair him with Amari Cooper. And then boom, there you go. And we've talked about this. We just talked about it the other day, right? How deep the wide receivers are and how ready made some of the wide receivers are in the draft. So if you feel that confidently that you're going to be able to get one of those guys where you're drafting, because I think they're drafting uh mid like early mid first round. I think they have like 17, 20, 16, something like it, that. Is it that even that? Yeah. It, it's somewhere in the mid first round. Um, if you think you can get somebody at that spot, then uh, okay. I, I, I get it. I get it a little more. The Cowboys are to me are the more the head scratching one. Because the Cowboys roster wise this year, I mean, how many times did we say, like, how is this roster not winning games? Like, the problem with the Cowboys isn't the roster. Right. It's Mike McCarthy. <laughs> like, that's your, that's the problem. You, you have a, you have a, a, a buffoon, a moron. Think of whatever funny adjectives you want to come up with. I mean, he's, I get he won an NFL Super Bowl, a scallywack. That's, there we go. From now on, we're only going to refer to Mike McCarthy on this podcast as the scallywack because that's exactly what he is. And yes, he won a Super Bowl, but that defense was sick, which he had no part of doing. And Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback who was basically running the offense. He just stayed out of the way long enough to not fuck it up. And Dak, as much as I like him, and you guys know, I, I consider him to be in that top six to seven quarterbacks in the NFL range. And I do believe that, but Dak's not Aaron Rodgers. Dak does need help around him. And I, I don't think Dak has that mental acuity that, that I think Rodgers has. I, I think he's close, but he's that great leader, unbelievable quarterback. I do think he's in that top tier of, of guys, or at least in those first couple tiers uh, of quarterbacks. 
I, I don't get this move for the Cowboys at all. I love Michael Gallup. And if Michael Gallup had stayed healthy, I would be cheering on this move. I would say this is a brilliant move. You're getting him on a cheaper deal, you're, you know, and you're getting off of having to pay $20 million. But if you're going to cut a player on your team that's making $20 million a year, maybe start with the running back that hasn't been productive while you still have Tony Pollard there and you can draft somebody else who's going to be able to be a compliment to him. And then hell, like the reason the Cowboys felt so scary was because it wasn't just CeeDee Lamb and it wasn't just Michael Gallup. It was that Amari Cooper has only, what has Amari Cooper done in the last five years? Oh yeah. Catch over 5,000 yards worth of receiving, right? He's healthy all the time. And part of my take was saying, you know, I never thought of him as a bona fide number one receiver. And I say bullshit to that. I don't think he's, you know, number one or a top five receiver in the NFL, but I do think he's a number one. And I think CD Lamb's a number one. And if you have two number one wide receivers and both are getting over a thousand yards and you can use them both, why are we changing anything? Cut Zeke, cut bait with Zeke. What are we doing at this point? Zeke looked, remember the first five weeks of the season, we were talking about Ezekiel Elliott. Oh my God. He, he cut all this weight. He looks so much quicker and faster now. Who was talking about Ezekiel Elliott down the stretch? Who, who was talking about him as a factor back? Where did he finish in rushing? He didn't because he got hurt again, and he didn't play a full season, and he was an afterthought. So stop wasting Dak Prescott. Stop pissing. And if you're going to, again, if you're gonna, am I wrong on this? Am I just being a hater? No, it, no it feels, I, I wholeheartedly it, agree. to me. Yeah, because if you follow fantasy, two of my like handcuff type guys uh, who I thought were were like some of the deepest guys in the league that had legitimate talent were Michael Gallup and Tony Pollard, both who I think could be uh, starters in almost any scenario on any other team. And then on top of that, you have Ezekiel Elliott and two number one wide receivers in CeeDee Lamb and, uh, and an Amari Cooper. With Dak Prescott, there's no reason that team should be as bad as it was or as as questionable as it was, rather. I agree. I just think that what they're looking at right now, there has to be something with that deal. They have to also be planning. Maybe they're going for a receiver, to your point. I hope, I don't know, maybe I'm a glass half full today guy. I hope both these teams have a pretty good plan, or at least they have something. I hope something both teams identified. have fun. <laughs> you know, I just really want them to go out there, have a lot of fun. Um, I, honestly, I just, I personally believe that what the Browns did shows that there, there was something they wanted to move away from Jarvis about, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying it's a personality thing. I'm saying like, it's something on the field. Maybe it's just, he lost his speed on the top end. Maybe they need someone to go deeper. I I don't know, but maybe I I just know that that was weird. And I think to Dallas's point, letting that talent go while you have Dak and obviously like that was part of the solution. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just trying to get younger there and get go from a big contract to a rookie deal, right? And like a first round spot. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I agree, Jeff, that like right now there were other spots, especially in the backfield. That you're saying Tony Pollard is awesome, man. I really like watching that guy run. Number one back in any other team. Well, I, I think He's the point the though is back that in Dallas. Well, and I think yeah. the point though is that like maybe Dallas is one of those teams, which I agree with too. You need two guys to be able to do it if you want to make a deep run in the playoffs. So I get having them both, but you and I get featuring Tony because he, he's less carries on him. And then maybe like if if Dallas ends up finally making a playoff like push or anything, you see Z carry the ball. But I, at that point, it might be too late. I don't know. The question mark for me, Jeff, is is with Cleveland. Is mm-hmm. so now you have Baker Mayfield who 
uh, supposedly couldn't get it done with OBJ as his number one wide receiver and Jarvis Landry there. Now you bring in Amari Cooper. Are you that much better as a team? Are you that further along in, in your offensive scheme with Amari Cooper rather than OBJ? And now like, so it's, to me, it's shit to get off the pot time for, for Baker, right? If you can't make it happen with OBJ, you have to make it happen with Amari Cooper now, right? You and have I, to. I do agree with that. But from a talent perspective, I think Jarvis Landry and OBJ and Amari Cooper and a first round wide receiver. I, I, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I, th- I think there was a clear disconnect between Jarvis Landry and the Browns this year. I think the Odell Beckham trade, I think how the Browns handled all that. I think the way it played out publicly, I think upset Jarvis Landry, the ties to LSU, right? Everyone knows how deep close. Those, yeah. those yeah. two run, right? They're really, really good friends. I think a lot of that stuff kind of played into into all of this. Uh, they said that they tried to restructure Jarvis Landry's contract. It didn't quite, and they couldn't end up coming to an agreement. And I think ultimately the Browns saw Jarvis Landry as a guy who's missed a bunch of games over the last couple of years, who hasn't been product as productive over the last couple of years, still has the talent if he stays healthy, but would you rather pay Jarvis Landry what he's due to be paid or spend that money on a rookie wide receiver in the first round and, and give more weapons? I actually, I think the Browns played the, like, this whole deal for the Browns actually makes a lot of sense. Do I think it makes them that much better from a talent perspective? No, I, I, I don't. But I think personality in the way that clearly there was a disconnect between Baker and OBJ and Jarvis Landry and and the Browns had to do something to fix it in order to give Baker one last shot while he's on that fifth year you know extension while you still have control of him before you have to decide, hey, are we going to pay Baker Mayfield or not? And I also think we have to give Baker Mayfield the doubt because what we talked about it all season. He was hurt all season. Right. He played through injury. He had two different times where he tore his rotator cuff, you know, and and tore it once and then tore it even worse the second time. So I I think the Browns are trying to help set up Baker Mayfield to be successful. Obviously, that's that's the end goal in all of this. But I just think the Browns looked at this and said, hey, personality wise, this isn't a fit. Amari Cooper is a, a chameleon of a wide receiver. You can put him in any offense and ask him to run any sort of position and he's going to be able to be productive and put up numbers. And to, I mean, obviously as an Eagles fan, I love it myself selfishly, but like, I just think for, for Baker to be able to replace guys who there might've been some bad blood or some weird, at least some weird mojo going on. I think all, I think automatically that improves your team, but I agree that I don't think it makes them drastically better talent wise. And this is again, all assuming that the Browns are going to draft the wide receiver in the first round, which most mock drafts have. And I do think the Browns are likely to do that. They got 13, by the way. 13. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I, was th- I thought wrong. it was, I thought it was ahead of 15. I thought <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. closer. Right there, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think you can get Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, you know, wh- whichever of those rookie wide receivers that you like, you're, there's going to be at least one of them there. And if you can find the guy that you fall in love with, he's there, you pair him with Amari Cooper talent wise. I don't think you're dropping off too much because Odell wasn't Odell in with in the Rams as he was in Cleveland. And, and we can say forever, Oh, look at the tape. Look at the stuff. It's Baker's fault. Odell went on and won a Super Bowl, and he was gonna have he was on pace for 200 yards or whatever in the Super Bowl. And we can use use all of that to justify it in hindsight. But let's be honest, his his head was not in it in Cleveland. And Odell is one of those people who is driven by emotions, right? And he's done a really good job of being able to process it better. He's not 
kicking and headbutting, kicking nets anymore, right? Like we've moved on past that era of Odell Beckham Jr. But he's a guy motivated by emotions and connections and that kind of stuff. And he felt at home in, in LA and he made the most of it. Like, I think we all can say if you're in a, a work environment that you're happy that you get along with versus one that you're not, you're going to be more productive in the one that you're happy in. Mm-hmm. And so I think they just found people that might be happier being in Cleveland than Jarvis Landry was. And then what Odell Beckham was. So I actually like it for that. The, the Cowboys though, uh, I, I, right now I, I'm not seeing the picture yet. And maybe after the rest of free agency, um, even though they're still cap strong because of Ezekiel Elliott. And then obviously what they do in the draft, it might feel differently, but as we stand right now, the Cowboys are worse now than they were at the end of the season. And after you've already signed your your quarterback to a long-term extension and you've done all this investing and, and everyone's like, oh, Dan Quinn and, you know, these guys are – it feels like the Cowboys are worse off. Uh, the biggest signing by far was the J.C. Jackson signing to, to uh, uh, the Chargers, which it's a five-year deal. I believe it's $82.5 million. Yeah, $82.5 million, $40 million guaranteed. We, we were talking about how awesome this Chargers defense was going to be um uh on friday's pod and i I don't remember off the top of my head but when we were talking about jc jackson i'm pretty sure myself or one of you guys said that jc jackson of the Chargers would make a lot of sense that secondary is completely shored up you have khalil mack you have uh joey bosa they still have some cap space left over and they already have mike williams brought back that's the char- insane. The Chargers it, it's are- <laughs> nice. That's a nice team. I'm pissed as a Broncos fan. That division, I mean, that defense is insane. And think about this too. Like, I, I'm sure facing Patrick Mahomes twice a year already, plus Derek Carr, whoever's going to be in Vegas, was already enough to think, hey, we should make sure we're invested at cornerback. But again, it goes back to the, the ripple effects of Russell Wilson going to Denver. Right. Because all of a sudden, Russell Wilson's in your division. All right. Well, fuck it. We got to deal with Patrick Mahomes. And now we got a real uh, deal with Russell Wilson. And that's four out of 17 games. We're talking about Mm -hmm. almost 25% of our schedule are going up against just those two quarterbacks. We better make sure that we are set at cornerback. And right now, they are. JC Jackson is 26 years old, coming off of a uh, all pro season. And you're getting him on 40 million guaranteed. it made no sense to me that the pa- the Patriots were letting him walk, but the fact that he went to the Chargers, I might have to I might have to start buying more Chargers gear. I might have I mean I have I have the tapes to show that I have been a fan of the Chargers here. They've been my AFC team for all of for as what the last two years. All ninety four episodes, yeah, right. So I'm I'm all in. That's here like when I say I'm a lifelong Bill fan for the last seven years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, I what did I say in one of the breaks? I had a Ladanian Tomlinson powder blue Chargers jersey when that was just their alternate. And Vicky, my mother, I know you're listening. I love you. But I wish you hadn't thrown away my jerseys because I wish I had that right now because that jersey was awesome. It was freaking awesome. So that is by far and away as we stand right now at 7.18 p.m. on Monday, March 14th. That is the biggest signing we've had, but there are a lot more dominoes to fall. Last thing I want to say here, and every football podcast in America has talked about it, and so we're not going to spend a ton of time here on it. And for as much as I really don't like the dude for a myriad of reasons, 
can we just give a round of applause to Kirk Cousins for figuring out how to fleece the NFL out of $300 million? Let's just sit here. Congratulations. Get your bag, King. I mean, holy shit, dude. And you know what's so brilliant about this Kirk Cousins thing? And I don't think he has a lot of this in other aspects of his life. But as a football player, I think Kirk Cousins has ridiculous self-awareness. I think Kirk Cousins knows exactly who he is. I think he knows exactly what he can do. And I think he knows that if he plays his cards right, he can make what Chase Daniel did look like child's play or Sam Bradford or any of these other guys who had massive deals who never quite worked out in the NFL. Now, Kirk Cousins, he's he's the perfect all-time QB. Like, again, Bill Simmons had this take, so I can't even say that it was mine, but it's brilliant. Like, any every year, like the Steelers, any of those teams that just need a quarterback but are almost ready to make a run, he should just be like rent a QB for whatever team that needs a quarterback, like league wide for the Q. Right? Philip Rivers kind of guy. No, no, I mean, he, no, no that's he, disrespectful. It'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be like if Ryan Fitzpatrick was a pro, was like an all pro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or yeah, like played it, at it, a Pro Bowl level. I mean, sorry. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. If, if he Ryan made it Fitzpatrick once or twice, but if he was like, consistently like, yeah. If there. Fitzpatrick had half of the amount of interceptions that he did in his career, yeah. he'd be Kirk Cousins. And, and yet, like, he's he, good for him. It's just crazy. And a lot of that had to do with the RG3 stuff and RG3 getting injured and then the franchise tag deal and, you know, never wanting to he stay on that. with Washington. Yeah. You like that. But that's think about that. By the time he retires, that's going to be the most memorable moment of Kirk Cousins' career. You like uh, that? Hands down. Yeah, and that was Even if again they, if they win a Super Bowl, franchise tag still is, be. <laughs> well, dude, no, like back to back franchise tags, like and then him getting like and moving on and getting a huge deal. He of all quarterbacks, and, and he's almost the opposite. Like Tom Brady again stayed in, in New England for so long and took cuts to like help players and all that stuff. And then then you have Kirk Cousins, who's like, No, dude, pay me nah. right now. I want my money. Like, and rightfully so it's, I don't, I'm not saying this is like, he's an evil guy. He's in a business and guess what? He is playing the business from a player's perspective. And I love to see players win this shit because the organizations mostly do. And it's brilliant too. Right. Because I'm I'm with you, Vito. I'm like, Hey dude, go get your bag. Right. Yeah. And he's played well when he's had to. Yeah. And I'm always going to play side on the side of the players than the owners forever. And always a time, always going to look at this. Um, but what's amazing about the Kirk Cousins thing to me too, and the brilliance of what Kirk Cousins has found a way to pull off here is that he recognizes the market, right? He can yeah. say, Hey, do you want a pro bowl quarterback for 30 million, 35 million a year? Or do you want to pay Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers 50 million? Right. Cause he knows I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I'm not Patrick Mahomes. So where do I slot? Hey, $15 million less a year. That's pretty much exactly the going rate for someone like Kirk Cousins. It's exactly what he would get on the on the open market. And he's and just he, smart enough to realize, hey, I should capitalize on it and yeah, get my money. And it's he flipped this well, and he flipped the, the script on the fully guaranteed contracts. He's yeah. the first guy to ever do that. And it's paid yeah. off in dividends and spades ever since. And it's the thing, is like as from a fan's perspective, and you look at the moves he's made, and now like they extended him just now, uh, just today, right? For for thirty five million dollars, and it was two years, thirty five million guaranteed, right? Was that did I have that? Yeah, correct. It, it's a little gar- oh It's God. a little different than that, but essentially, either they way, re- they thirty five million. It, but yeah, it's thirty five. Thirty five million, million is guaranteed, dude. You're living the dream. <laughs> You're a mediocre quarterback playing on a good team, 
<laughs> it what do you think like, he's going to do with that money? What What does Kirk Cousins do with dude, $300 million? Not get NFTs. NFTs, baby. No, come on. He's not smart enough to know about he's, he, <laughs> Well, hold on. He doesn't he's believe smart. in vaccines. You think he's going to believe in NFTs? Oh, my God. You're right. Those things actually kind of go together. Um, <laughs> somehow, some way that makes sense to me. Uh, no, I, I think um, at the end of the day. Great point, Jeff. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, I don't know what he's uh, where he's going to end up at. Again, I think he's a guy who maybe gets another team or two in his in his career. But I think he's working the system, man. <laughs> well, not only is he working the system, but he's he's setting deals and and he's looking out for himself. And you know what? Like. I just love this. I really do. I think that like we need more players that are going to take this into what he's going to do with the money. I don't know. Probably buy another house or two real estate's good investment, probably like save a bunch. But what I would love to see him do, what I'd love to see him do is buy like billboards and all the cities he's played in every time something happens and just like put his face up and all the millions of dollars and be like, yeah, yeah. Guess what? Yeah. You like like that? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You like that banners. Oh my God, that would be amazing. And then what, what he'll have too is he'll have like a like a bar chart, right? And then it'll just be like how much money he made in Washington, and yeah. then how much money he made in, in Minnesota. And it's just going to change. I can totally see Kirk Cousins as the guy at work who does the presentation on PowerPoint with bar charts. Yes. Like- <laughs> That's exactly who he is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is interesting to me to be somewhat serious before I get slightly joking here before we take a break and hit our uh, March Madness stuff. It's interesting to me that the, when he put his, he did kind of put his neck out on the line. Cause remember a couple of years ago when he was a free agent, he was leaving Washington. That was a huge deal because quarterbacks of that caliber. And yes, I said that about Kirk cousins uh, yeah, think- don't hit the open market very often. And he did a huge, a significant thing from a, a player negotiation standpoint and that he wanted it to be fully guaranteed and he has now signed two extensions since that first contract that was fully guaranteed which is what three years and like 83 million i think it was yeah and both of which have been fully guaranteed but we have not seen a single fully guaranteed contract outside of that which at the time we thought like this is going to change the way people look at things and it's the reason that it's the reason though that like mahomes got so much guaranteed money in his contract, even guys like that. Right. Like, well, I, so here's what I would say is actually, I, I think it's not how much guaranteed money that Mahomes and Rogers and all these guys get. It's the ceiling of what they can get. Right. Mahomes getting a $450 million contract. Right. Like, I don't think that gets offered because they have the leverage point of, oh, I can just ask for fully guaranteed because somebody's done that. So I'm going to ask for the ceiling to be even hired. And, and with that as well, Scotty, the guaranteed money has gone up a little bit yeah. as well, but that's also the market. Like the market has pretty steadily, even going back to like Wentz, Tannehill, uh, Josh Allen, and we're still waiting on whatever this Lamar Jackson is. They've all increasingly. And then the original contract that was reported about Aaron Rodgers, which supposedly he says was not the actual deal and he hasn't signed anything. Um, but if it is, it's 152 million guaranteed, right? So no, he's staying in green Bay. It's it's we're just talking about money here, Scott. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hey, you are. Last last thing about Kirk Cousins, and we're gonna take a quick break. I was thinking about this on my drive back from New Jersey today. What do you think Kirk Cousins drives? Right, like because there's no way Kirk Cousins is driving a Lamborghini or a Ferrari no. or it's, any. It's sports a practical car. car. 
Yeah. It has to be a practical car, but is it like a super fancy practical car? Like, is he just driving in and like a souped up, like, like escalate, like even no, an escalate seems I, I too think fancy, it's, but I he also doesn't like seem a, Southern enough to have a pickup truck. So I couldn't I think figure out what he's driving. I think it's like an Acura RDX, like just a, a step up from your average uh, car, a little bit luxury with the Acura and, and the SUV. Boom. Done. I think he's got something weird, like the new Broncos, like uh, kind of like the old ones, but like he's oh, trying yeah. to make a statement and it's That's like an one. orange Bronco. And it's like, it's okay, but it's not great. But like, it's unique. And it's, you case, know, he plays right? for the Vikings, not the Broncos. I know how fat was that? An orange Bronco is what I thought of. I'm so hyped for NFL. It's only been like a month guys, and I'm slip. losing it without football. It's crazy. But uh, you got Wilson. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he was famous for driving. I wonder if he still does. That's right. Cause he was famous for driving this creepy, that crap old that, yeah. mini- minivan. Yeah, it was like a shit, like jalopy minivan. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what that's it what is. I mean. So <laughs> I feel like a new, like $30,000 Bronco. He's like, this is it. I'm in the NFL. And that's I, one of those, like, I've that's one of those boys. draft things where it's like, <laughs> he's still connected to his roots. He's still driving. Mitch Trubisky was the same way. He drove his like high school Acura. That was like from the early two thousands. Oh my God. Well, you know what? Hey, for Mitch Trubisky's sake, take notes about Kirk cousins, Mitch, because that's you. That can be you in 10 years. If you play your oh, cards. 100%. right. Yeah. If you play your cards, that's right, Mitch Trubisky, that, that can be you. All right. Quick break. Come back. It's bracket time, motherfuckers. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that glorious time of the year when everybody dusts off their printer that they have in their office because everything we do is online now. We never actually have to print anything. And you you print out this little piece of paper that's got 68 teams on it. And you decide, hey, this is my March Madness bracket. And we're all going to be wrong. And we're all going to say, oh, my God, I just... and if for every upset, you're going to tell your buddies, I knew that was going to happen, right? That's, <laughs> again, the beauty of March Madness. Mm, you're yeah. either validated or you're a complete idiot, and we're all in the exact same boat. I still stay one of these years, we're going to get a perfect bracket to, like, the final four, and then something's just going to go wrong. Like, we're, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see it, but goddamn, we're all chasing that dragon. This is the one time a year as sports fans, we all become like heroin addicts where we're all like, you're just chasing the dragon being like, Oh like, yeah. It's it could happen though. Dude, you never think, know, man. After you round one, know. you're like, give me another chance. Give me another bracket. I just want a round of 32 bracket. Give me that. No, give me a sweet 16 bracket. I just want to do that bracket. Like it's, it's so. And different. even then when it's over, the low is so low. You just kind of want to get back there. So, so where we started at 64. We, we are running, as I said at the top, we are running ESPN, tournament challenge it's called the read option bracket it is open it is public please join us on throw in everyone gets one totally free play along with me Vito, scotty we're gonna have a blast with it and uh when you win whoever the winner is you're getting a shout out on uh that that whatever that read option pod will be in uh in about three and a half weeks so uh with that being said boys um what's the strategy going into our picks here for the tournament. Now, Vito, you said yours is might be a little unorthodox. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really watch college basketball. So I watched a, a Villanova game this past week. Shout out uh, Nova. I watched, I watched hey. them win the conference championship. That was sick. So obviously they're probably going to end up my national champion. Cause I haven't seen any other teams play all year, but 
outside of that, I mean, dude, I'm just going based off of pure instinct, how I feel about the school, whether it's about football or just like, I have a friend that went there, whatever it is. Right. Like um, it's all about that. The mascot, some dumb fun facts. That's what I pick off of. Did you do locations? Learned I've learned my lesson uh, trying to pick. I tried to pick one bracket one year where it was all like San Diego schools. So I like San Diego state going to like, uh, I think oh, the, the Aztecs. game. Yeah. Hey, they're I, in it this year. Yeah. Well, I also like had San Jose state going really far one time. Anyway, the whole point is there that well, that's I went away from picking team, and trying to pick by <laughs> basketball because that's when I do my worst. So here I am. So when Villanova won in 16 and then again in 18. Oh, dude. I growing up a, a diehard Villanova fan. I've told the story about Jay Wright sending me a care package and, and yeah. handwritten letter and everything like I'm a, forever will love Villanova. I always made at least I made three brackets. I made one bracket that was what I thought I was going to be ha- like would happen. And that's when I submit to all my, you know, serious stuff, friends who have little groups. And then I have my bracket that is my actual like just upset picks, like just like absolute chaos bracket. And yeah. then I have my Villanova bracket, which is just so I can say that I picked Villanova to win. So that's my philosophy. And then I always say, too, when you pick it seriously and you're thinking about national champions for final four, because that's really where you can win these things. Who is the head coach? What is the backcourt? Right. Good point guard, good guard play. Great then, guard play. You got to love guard play in March. Do they have one or two, t- hopefully more on the two and NBA players? You want to have at least two pro guys on that team. Uh, and that's typically the formula I use. I did pick Baylor to win the national championship last year. That and the Braves are my two big wins in terms of championship picks. So that's all I can offer. That's Scotty. a new year, Jeff. New Scott, year, new year. What about you? <laughs> oh, man. Look, I do so much over analysis because – Here's here's what here's my formula. I get out of football and there's this four week lull, right? And you're kind of getting into basketball. I'm like, all right, get me into college basketball. I'm going to start watching two three games uh, a week. Uh, Tuesday is usually the blockbuster in, in a regular season in college basketball. Then the weekends, obviously, you got really good games. So for those three, four, five weeks, I'm I'm locked in. Then we hit conference tournament week. Okay. And I am locked in. I was texting you guys this weekend about I am. I just bet on on a, a mid Atlantic Athletic Conference game where I, know. I can't even you told remember. Us you the might team. have a problem, and I said, "Yeah, you might." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I can't even remember the teams that I bet on." The MIAC. Was it like was and, it Richmond? Is that who you who? No, no, yeah, no, no. It wasn't. It, was. it wasn't even Richmond. Yeah, that's a ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and anyway, so. So I get locked into the conference tournaments uh, that that whole week and weekend, uh, which was this past week. Uh, and so I do a great deal of overanalyzing. Uh-huh. And this is my detriment. My wife has does the same thing you do, Vito. Mascot, name, location. Uh, has that place done me wrong uh, in some way, form, or fashion? Yeah. Um, do I not Sun like it? it? Do I like it? And she has beat me five out of the last seven years. Could you Let's believe go. that? And uh, I do all this over analysis. And, and so we do a whole thing. My, my wife and I, we, uh, we bet on date nights. Who's going to pay for the date night, set up the date night, all this. Uh, and, and she's beat me five out of the last seven years. 
I love that. I do too much over analysis. I love that gambling is like integral in your marriage. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Like uh, genuinely, that's amazing. Uh, And the fact that Sung just absolutely bodies you every turn. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sung's the goat. We love love Sung on this podcast. We love Sung. We do. Uh, Literally, last night we were filling out the brackets. So I'm sitting there and uh, looking at the West doing over analysis. And she... She looks at me, takes a pause, looks at me, and I was like, "What's up? You, you need, a, you have a question about something?" She goes, "No, just let the universe help me make my picks, and letting it flow through me." And I'm what sitting there going, "Like, is the eight nine gonna hit? Like, this is a tight game." Can we confirm, Sung? If she beats you, can we get her on the pod just to do a little smack talk for like two yeah, or three sure. minutes? Ask her right now. So, you want to be on the pod if you beat me in the uh, in the bracket challenge this year? We need. We Do need. I want to be on the pod if I beat you. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta come on if you beat me. Yeah. No, that you know what? That's just perfect. To talk shit. Oh, just to rub it in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that I'll do. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Confirm. Let's go, Sung. <laughs> Sung is the best. Sung is the best. We love Sung on this podcast. All right. Uh, amazing. And with that note, let's get into it. So we'll start off. We're gonna go left. Uh, we'll do the left side of the bracket and the right side. So we're gonna start off in the west. Gonzaga, your number one overall seed. Uh, they've been top to bottom whole year, best team in college basketball. Uh, Chet Holmgren, uh, going to be one of the first three picks taken in the NBA draft. Funny, you know, a lot of people coming up with comps with him. Body type-wise, he, he's built exactly like Kevin Durant, which is wild. He doesn't quite have the explosiveness that KD has, but he's a great shooter. He's going to be a fascinating pro prospect. Uh, and this feels like, an again, an yet another year where Gonzaga has a chance no 16-1 upsets this year. I don't think in any of the four. So uh, we're going to go Gonzaga in the first round on my part. Are we all on the same page there? Yeah, no yes. doubt. And you got your favorite, uh, Drew Timmy. <laughs> like, who oh. could forget him? <laughs> I want Gonzaga to win a title so bad, but as I just can it be after Drew Timmy leaves? Can it please be after Drew Timmy leaves? I He's the most hated player I've had in college basketball since probably Tyler Hansborough. That was probably wow. the last oh, wow. one who I because like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Grayson Allen was a prick and there's some other ones who I didn't like, but Tyler Hansborough, I hated that dude. And Drew Timmy's in that, like he's in that top five there with like Bryson DeChambeau and some of those other athletes that I just can't stand. Something about him runs me the wrong way. All right, we're all in Gonzaga. Eight, nine, Boise State taking on the Memphis Tigers. Uh, Scotty, thoughts on uh, on this one here, Broncos versus the Tigers. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go with Boise. Uh, you know they they had a great run at the end of the year. They're fifteen and three in the conference. Uh, Memphis uh, came on late, but uh, but Boise State. I and I got four four of my cousins go to Boise State or went there. So I'm going uh, going with the Broncos. Yeah, I mean I love the Broncos in the NFL. Uh, I love Boise State's blue football, and they're field. blue and orange. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all about I'm all about Boise. I'm rolling with them. I was leaning Memphis so far. First of all, Finn, I can't wait for all of Vito's justifications for these picks. <laughs> it just just that first one makes me so happy. Um, yeah, um, right. But I was leaning I was leaning Boise State when I first saw the bracket uh, because I, I Penny Hardaway. There's a disconnect there. He's recruited at an incredible level as the head coach there at Memphis, and it just hasn't quite turned up. So I'm not super high on on Penny as a coach. I think he struggled in some in-game stuff. He takes things very personally. But I think the talent there, the 3-1 and against top 25 teams, 
uh, and Boise State, not a great offensive team. Memphis has more talent. And I think for this first round, I think Memphis is going to have enough to get it done. I'm taking the Tigers. Uh, UConn Ooh. versus New Mexico State. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of this UConn program. Love me some Bobby Hurley uh, or Danny Hurley. One of the Hurleys, whichever the Hurleys is there. It might be Danny. Uh, I, I like UConn. They battle-tested through the Big East. The Big East was awesome. This was like one of the first years I felt like the Big East was kind of back since the restructuring because, you know, Creighton's had years and Xavier's had years. But as a whole, between Providence, UConn, Villanova, we obviously know Nova is a mainstay in that conference. Uh, I just I'm, I like UConn a lot. I think they're going to be a really good team. I'm taking the UConn Huskies to win in the first round. The Huskies have what you said at the top, Jeff, is one of your criteria for picking teams. They have NBA talent. They have two lengthy athletic wings who can defend and crash the boards. They've got their lead guard in RJ Cole, who is a great distributor and is just lights out in in clutch scenarios. I love UConn in this game. A lot of 12-5 upsets uh, happened in the uh, in the history of the NC2A tournament. Don't overthink this. This is UConn over New Mexico State. Yeah, don't overthink it. You boys like New Mexico? Let's go, baby. We're picking New Mexico. I like Atta the warm boy. over the cold. We're fucking going with it. Let's go. What are they, the Cowboys? The, the they're, I, I always forget know. what New Mexico the is. Oh, the no, Lobos. that's University of New Mexico. Oh, Wait a minute. What? I mean, I think the there's some sort of cowboys. Might be the Gauchos. Oh, there we go. Nagy, which I guess oh. is a form of cowboy. Their mascot's a cowboy. Um, all right. On to the next one. The must bus rolling. Uh, and they're taking on the Vermont Catamounts, the oh, fighting baby. Tom Brennans. Uh, fun fact, I uh, have been blessed to work with the great Tom Brennan, who is a legendary head coach at the University of Vermont. He actually had a uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor named after him because the Ben and Jerry's guys both went to Vermont. And when they had their big upset as a, I think they were State. a fort. Well, sure. Uh, but they were uh, um, Tom Brennan was the head coach when they had a big upset. I think they were a 14 seed and they made a little Cinderella run. So TB is a legend, That's the nicest awesome. guy of all time. He, I've dude, I hadn't seen him or talked to him in probably eight months since last March madness. I, I saw him work with him for the first time a couple of months ago, or six weeks ago, maybe. And he goes, my boy, Jeff Dipple. How are you, buddy? How are you? He sounds like Dickie V man. He's the greatest. I love TB. And as much as I love the Vermont Catamounts, my man TB, I'm rolling with the must bus because that is a damn good Arkansas team. I think they are an absolute dark horse. They got a shitty draw with Gonzaga in their region. Doesn't matter. I'm still taking the must bus here in the first round. I'm sorry, UVM. I'm sorry, Jake Marsh. I'm sorry, TB. I'm rolling with the Razorbacks. You should be sorry to TB because guess what? I rode Arkansas so hard last year. And they won me a little bit of money. But guess what? Vermont has only lost one game since December 7th. That was a one-point loss in overtime. They're greater than 40% from three-point. A great defensive team. Arkansas is going to try to run the ball up and down the floor. That's not going to happen against a team who, in a conference tournament, won three straight games by 30-plus. The Catamounts. With the upset. Last time Vermont was a 13 seed, they beat Syracuse. In 2005, Syracuse, a team that could score just like Arkansas. Give me Vermont Catamounts in this round. For you, know the who the, you know who the head coach of that team was? My boy, TB. Yeah, TB, yeah. I love my boy, <laughs> TB. I love him. 
So he still brags about that, about that to Jim Beheim all the time. He talks so much shit to, to Jim Beheim. It makes me so happy. It was a thriller. It was awesome. All right, Vito, you. Well, I haven't been at either of these places, but I'd rather go visit Vermont. So that's who we're going with. Scotty's talking a lot of sense here, Jeff. I don't know where you've been in the boys. We're going Vermont with the, uh, I guess, upset. But in my mind, they should have won all along. Luckily for me, TB uh, is not the most apt when it comes to uh, when it comes to the podcast world. So I think I'll be OK. I don't think he's going to hear this. Uh, all right. Moving on. I'm tweeting Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Oh, dude, you think he's on Twitter? You think he, he think he I don't think he knows how to log into Twitter. I love you, TB. Uh, Alabama playing the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame. Now, I will say, and this is the perfect time for me to say this, picking a bracket this early is completely antithetical to what I do. I always wait a week. I wait the week and wait to see the play-in teams, and then I felt my bracket because there's always going to be all this side to side. But for the people, for you listening at home, we're, we're bending that rule. Um, I have Rutgers beating Notre Dame. And uh, beating Alabama in here. And this is my first big upset here. We're taking the Scarlet Knights and Steve Peichel. If you are a fan of Rick and Morty, the name Peichel will mean a lot to you. Uh, And it does to me. But even more than that, I love this Rutgers team. Uh, They have gone through so much adversity. I was on the phone with Steve Peichel last night. The guy is an absolute legend. He has that team raring to go. And Alabama is the biggest boomer bust team in this entire bracket. It was amazing to me that they got a six seed. To me, they were an eight or a nine seed. They got lucky. They got the six seed. I know the SEC is loaded, but give me the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They're battle tested in that Big Ten, and Rutgers is moving on. And they're going to be, spoiler alert, our play-in team that makes a little bit of a run here in the tournament. I love that pick, dude. Greg Peichel is uh, just an unbelievable coach at what he's doing. What he's recruiting is like uh, just like two. He calls himself like a two-star coach. He recruits those guys, and, the, and the, can, they come to play for him, and, and somehow they end up being a, a really good team. Ron Harper Jr. leading this team uh, with some experience. Ron, you guys remember Ron Harper in the NBA. His son is doing an unbelievable job. Uh, leading this Rutgers team on the floor. I love that pick, Jeff. I love what they do. Uh, I, I like Rutgers beating Notre Dame, and then I like them beating Alabama. I'm, I'm with you, Rutgers. I'm going to quote an old song here by uh, Taylor Swift. Two is better than one. I'm going Rutgers slash ND because that is a better option than just Alabama. That's the only reason why. Two teams over one, any day. Love it. Love so it. Whoever, I feel like I'm winning a pick. It doesn't matter. I just want to. I just want to pick by picking whoever wins this game because no matter what, they're in it. Boom. Yeah. There you go. But that counts as like maybe a quarter of a point because we got four of these play-ins. But add it all up, that equals a win. So I, I like that. Uh, Half fun, a point. Half fun a point. fact: uh, Rutgers had not been uh, had not had a sellout at their home stadium in uh, multiple years before Steve Peichel took over there at Rutgers. This year, they got a had, mad extension. The last two years, they've had 26 consecutive home sellouts. That whole team state area is behind them. I love the Scarlet Knights. All right, Texas Tech versus Montana State. Great story. Hell of a year for Montana State. They get all the way to the FCS semifinals, and now their team is in the tournament, but they're running into Cinderella. a buzz. They're running into a buzzsaw with one of my favorite teams in this tournament. That is Texas Tech. 
Texas Tech is a scorned lover since they lost Chris Beard and he went to Texas and Texas Tech has the biggest chip on their sport uh, on their shoulder in arguably any sport in across the country. I love Texas Tech. Like you said, don't ever think it Red Raiders they're rolling. It's it's a money shot, dude. Uh, Texas Tech beat Baylor twice. Who's a one seed? We'll get to that in the uh, in the uh, uh, south, uh, whatever region they're in. Uh, they beat uh, Baylor twice and, and beat Kansas one and uh, once and, and lost once to Kansas. They split the series, and they got a big win over Tennessee. Texas Tech has played some tough teams, and they've held their own. They did a real job in the uh, in the conference tournament as well. I think. Uh, I think they're poised for a run here in this bracket, particularly with, uh, with uh, like when, if, if, and when they meet Gonzaga, it's going to be potentially in the, uh, in the elite eight. And Mm -hmm. look, man, like no one's talking about Texas tech. No one's talking about, nobody's talking about him. Yeah, absolutely. Lubbock is a weird place. (laughs) All over the red Raiders in this one guns up. Vito. Yeah. Any mascot with guns I'm in for. So I'm just riding with Texas tech. That's solid. I mean, I think in even Montana state uh, is, is some kind of animal. So you always give the advantage to someone with two guns in that battle. Uh, I'm going with Texas tech. I love it. Uh, All right. Next up, Michigan state, the seven seed in the uh, West region of the bracket. They're taking on Davidson. Fun fact here. Davidson's best player is a transfer from Michigan state. And they're facing off here right now. Davidson as a team shoots over 40% from three. 7-10 is always a trendy upset pick every single year. Steph Curry's still riding high in the NBA. They're channeling their inner Steph Curry. Give me Davidson to pull off the upset against Michigan State. This is a total gut play. This is a total emotional hedge. I think Davidson is going to shoot well from three and be able to pull off the first round upset. I'm taking Davidson. The last time Davidson was a 10 seed was when Steph Curry and them boys made the run. Give me Davidson. I love the pick, Jeff. I love it because Michigan State is too inconsistent. I'm worried now because I also have Davidson, but because they're playing in Greenville, South Carolina, just over the border. Close to home. uh, It's so (laughs) close. I made that drive when I lived by Davidson. It's 45 minutes. I think you're going to like, it's basically a home game and it's, it's not the biggest arena. So I'm all for Davidson right there. All right. I, that's the first one other than Gonzaga that we've all been on the same page with. So I'm about it. All right. To wrap up the West bracket, we got Duke and Cal State Fullerton. This is the kickoff of what might be the final. Every single game Duke plays from now on out might be the last for Coach K, right? So last Duke, ever. We've Cal done State, this whole Fullerton, tour. <laughs> we've all you know done it. I don't think the journey ends in the first round against Cal State Fullerton, but Duke has lost as a two seed before. You might remember that against game against Lehigh. one Lehigh University. DJ McCollum. 2012, CJ McCollum leading the way, but Duke gets the job done. They're far too talented to lose in the first round. Give me Duke. They're moving on here with comfort. God, I love the tournament. Duke is 31 and three as a two seed. That's a no brainer. I'm sorry, Titans. I love you, but give me Duke. <laughs> I don't. Not a big fan of Fullerton. I'm taking Duke. There we go. Just the area uh, in general. Way too many <laughs> kids went to Fullerton. I just don't like Fullerton. I played a lot of baseball down there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like, I don't know. I just feel like it, it was just, uh, I didn't like You West Coast boys. To me, Cal State Fullerton could be, like, a, there's no difference. Any of the Cal State, Cal, whatever. Tech. That's a stone's throw from Disneyland. 
There, well, that yep. means no, that means nothing to me. Great that choir means- out there, actually, Jeff. They'd always there host the choir competitions. They were pretty dope. Yeah. Well, in my experience, choir singers are not great basketball players. Also, a great way to look at this. Totally, Still going totally unfair to <laughs> the CS Bolton guys. Have you ever put Kenny Boy one on one? There we go. <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, I was a choir boy, and I can still pre- I'm still pretty wet from three. Just saying. Uh, Eastern region there, right below the number one seed there, we have the reigning national champion, Baylor Bears. Once again, we're all on the same page here. Baylor pulling off yeah. the upset. Shout out to my into man. the one seed, though. <laughs> but shout out to my man, Sean Summers, one of my favorite producers I've worked with, graduate of Norfolk State, diehard alum your boys had a great run and i'm sorry they're running into a, a really good team there in uh, in baylor so uh yeah give me baylor uh, we're all on the same page eight nine unc versus marquette this is an interesting one um uh, we've all said especially when you watch college basketball at the beginning of the year you know hey it, it's um hubert's first year as hubert davis his first year as a head coach at unc first year without roy williams we saw the massive upset, right, in the Duke-North Carolina game, Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. We never actually talked about it on this pod, uh, but it was a huge story. Uh, North Carolina this year, I get why people are a little bit down, but they're 24-9. and nine. They're a single-digit loss team. They average 70, almost 72 points a game. They're 2-4 and four against top 25 teams. Uh, and their BPI ranking, their power index ranking, is really impressive. They're 26 and they're a, an eight seed. They're basically a top 25 team, uh, but they, they score a lot of points. Sorry, they actually average almost 78 points a game. Uh, I am a big North Carolina fan. I think they're a great team. I think they got hosed by being an eight seed, uh, and I'm going to have them pulling off the win here against Shaka Smart's Marquette. Uh, what is Marquette again? What is, what's their mascot? Golden Eagles. The yeah. Golden Eagles of Marquette, yeah. Shaka hopefully building something there. He's done a good job in year one, but I'm taking the Tar Heels to move forward. Um- Unbelievable, unsurprising, really. Shaka Smart coaching yet another like mediocre team back into existence in, in Marquette, and uh, and he did it with Texas, and he did it with uh, at, when and his tenure at BCU. I just don't think they played a lot of top twenty-five teams. They played a lot of guys in the schedule. They've they got the twenty-fourth uh, best strength of schedule in the in in the country. I just think UNC playing the. The, the group that they played and the way that they've, they've won, they're eight and two over their last 10. They're getting streaky. I think this is a time where they can say, Hey, why not us? And, and be the, the underdog kind of UNC that, uh, that we've seen before an eight, nine matchup t- typically favors the nine seed, but I'm going to go with the Tar Heels here. Yeah, I mean, this is Marquette all the way. Uh, any name that ends with like et or L, like E L L E or E T T E, the French I'm spelling. For. I'm a sucker for it. We're going Marquette. Um, I just looked it up. It's in Wisconsin. Did not know that until yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah. Until now. Um, and, you know, I work with a lot of folks out of there right now. I'm, I'm a fan. Let's just, you know what that is, Vito? That's your love for the city of New Orleans coming through. It, it, that's just the swamp oozing through my veins. And, and, and you know, swamp man. Well, it never leaves you. Shouts <laughs> to the swamp. All right. Uh, picking it up here, uh, St. Mary's and the winner of Wyoming or Indiana. Now, I already picked one of the play and team teams to win, but this is the other one that if I'm, if I do decide to do that, this is a good one to pick it at Uh, Wyoming. Awesome story. Really good team uh, to make it as an at-large bid. 
and their situation is, is really wild. And then Indiana on the other side, I think both of these teams match up well against St. Mary's St. Mary's whole thing is it, it's death by a million paper cuts. It's how can we slow you down and, and go possession by possession? They just upset Gonzaga the other day. I'm going to take St. Mary's, but I'm putting them on upset alert because I think Wyoming's a team that can get hot, whether they can do that two games in a row playing and forward. But then Indiana is a very similar style of basketball under Mike Woodson uh, in his first year with the Hoos. I'm going to take St. Mary's, but I don't feel great about it. And I just think I think they're so much in that we're going to slow it down. It's almost like UVA, but at more of a mid-major type school. Uh, so give me, give me St. Mary's. And you shouldn't feel great about it. It's uh, the second of three teams out of the WCC. Shout out to my friends out in the West Coast. Uh, we'll get to uh, later down in the bracket the uh, the third team out of the WCC. Uh, but uh, look, St. Mary's, uh, great team, but death by a thousand cuts. Indiana likes to come at you and come at you hard. They played a great, absolutely phenomenal game against Illinois, who's on the, uh, I believe, on the uh, three or four line on in the... Uh, Midwest uh, region. I, I like the way Indiana plays. I think that they they have a lot of heart and they're they're they they, they just played a phenomenal conference tournament. I, I'm going to take the Hoosiers in this one to win the play in and beat St. Mary's in the first round. No chance, bro. St. Mary's, uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. That's where LeBron went to high school. That's the only thing I know about it. So uh, St. Mary's nailed it. Uh, that's <laughs> that- what I'm going. That's We're the on St. Mary's. All right, UCLA taking on Akron. The Zips, one of the uh, one of the coolest names, I would say, in uh, Division One. Uh, UCLA is a lot of people's sleeper Final Four, maybe Elite Eight team. They went on that awesome Cinderella run last year, and if Jalen Suggs isn't bang a half court shot at the buzzer in overtime, uh, they might have played for a national championship. A big fan of Mick Cronin. This is the Bruins. Give me UCLA. I watched Entourage. Uh, yesterday and it was the episode where turtle goes back to school at ucla so we're going ucla <laughs> this is not even close man uh ucla's eaten two in their last 10 they're getting hot at the right time mccrone's got a great group of guys down there <laughs> so akron's gonna win that's what we've just decided nope, akron's ucla win this. <laughs> we're all on ucla confidently akron's going all right texas versus virginia tech virginia tech riding high and I hate the Hokies, but they're riding high. I'd imagine your lovely bride sung as an alumni of uh, not an alumni. Sorry, she's got what? ties. So I don't know why I said my alumni. brother-in-law is your brother-in-law. That's what I meant to say. The ties to Virginia Tech. I'd imagine my she has wife a soft went to spot Penn there. State like a good person. I, yeah, good person. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Texas, notorious for losing in the first round. Virginia Tech riding high off that first win. This is it. I mean, this is this is the everyone in the world is going to take Virginia Tech. Texas always loses in the first round when they're the higher seed. Virginia Tech riding the high. Wrong. It's the Longhorns. Hook them. Yeah, uh, we're there, too. I think the difference is right now, um, you know, I just uh, there's nothing better than in all of media when you get the Texas is back, folks. Uh, and I hope they win just so we hear that, even though it has nothing to do with football. Not so fast, my friends, as Lee Corso in football would like to say. How is the champion of the ACC tournament an 11 seed? I don't know, and it doesn't make sense. Virginia Tech over Texas. Last time Texas was a six seed, they lost in the first round to Northern Illinois on a buzzer beater. An unbelievable thing a couple years ago. 
And, and so I took the Hokies last year in the first round, and they won on a buzzer beater. Give me the Hokies. Goes against my uh, my religion to, to hokey to hokey hokey high tech tech VPI. All right, Purdue, Yale, Purdue, riding another team riding high. Just competed in the Big Ten championship. Can put it in from anywhere. Uh, I'm taking Purdue here, Yale. You know we've seen a couple of these. You know Ivy League schools pull off upsets. I don't think this is the year. Give me the Boilermakers. Yeah, it's the first time they reached number one in uh, in school history. Purdue did. It, don't overthink this one. Uh, look, a lot of these like 14-3, uh, uh, 13-4, 12-5 matchups are like, ooh, where's gonna, where's the upset gonna come? It's not this one. All right, Yale beat Princeton by like six, I think, in the uh, in the conference tournament game. Purdue has played an elite level all year long. So give me the Boilermakers. Boiler up. Yeah, uh, um, you know, Boilermakers are another word for steam fitters. Uh, love the unions. Shout out um, to all my, uh, all those folks in there. And we're going Purdue. All right. We're riding with the Boilermakers. All right. Yes. Murray State and San Francisco, the third and final of the West Coast Conference here. Uh, yes, sir. How about is, them Dons? This is not the John Morant led Murray state team that we're accustomed to. They're a really, really good team. And I think their coach is probably about time to, to head off here and take a bigger job. The job he's done recruiting, obviously pulling guys like Ja. Uh, but I really like the San Francisco team and I really like the West coast conference. It's a tough, tough bracket. I think this is going to be one. I think this is going to be one of the best games we have in the first round, but I'm taking San Francisco. Anytime I see green and yellow together, I'm all in. So give me San Francisco. I love you, Jeff. That's a great pick. An absolutely great pick. Coach McMahon of, uh, of Murray State has done an unbelievable job in the OVC recruiting. Uh, he's got John Morant. The team is is very balanced. They, they've only lost two games all year. They were undefeated in conference play, but who did they play? Right? So they got this inside-outside duo of K.J. Williams, Tevin Brown. Both of them were, were all-conference I love all of that. They can score at an elite level. Uh, but to me, USF ha has gotten there for the first time. They've, they're in the tournament since 1998. And they've got a new coach. He's in his first year. Uh, and they built an at-large resume by beating Davidson. They beat uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, who's on the other side of the bracket. And they beat BYU. And, oh, by the way, they also played two games each against Gonzaga uh, and, and St. Mary's, St. Mary's they split with. So uh, a guy like Jamari Bouya, who's a, a, a fifth-year senior, just unbelievable defense, swarms to the ball. Uh, Dons are going to have a, a, a good chance to score here. I And I'm a San Francisco guy. My dad went to USF. I got to take USF. Go Dons. You're just wrong here. Any Anytime there's a team that has the word state in it, then another word that's not an actual state, like Murray is not a state. I don't know what's going on there, but I fucking love it. And I'm picking them to win. <laughs> That's one of the best rationalizations yet. I used to say it all the time. Why is Cleveland state a thing? Cleveland's not a state. No, it drives me nuts. Every single time. It makes no <laughs> sense. I, uh, anyway, in the water right. and I hope it makes them play well. Kentucky and Seattle Pacific university. Uh, I'll be honest with you all. I have no idea what to expect out of spu so we're riding with the wildcats go kentucky yeah don't yeah come on i don't <laughs> even have something do? clever for this one uh, is, kentucky. Is... 
Well, Seattle Pacific is the Peacocks, so. Uh, Peacocks, I, well, you know what? It's a pretty good streaming service, so maybe that could have been your, your justification there, Vito. Uh, it's all right, St. Moving, Peter's, by the move, way. <laughs> oh, is it St. Peter's? Yeah. Oh, God. I literally just Googled SPU because I totally missed whoever the fuck they were. That makes way more sense. All right, St. Peter's. That's what it was. It was St. Peter's against Mammoth. That's what I bet on. It, it all comes first. <laughs> Vito's <laughs> like, leave sung, please. Marry me. <laughs> all right, moving on to the South Bracket. Arizona, we're all in. Uh, and that takes us to Seton Hall versus TCU. Uh, Seton Hall offered me a lot of money to go there as a student. Unfortunately, not where I wanted to go to school, so it didn't quite work out. However, the TCU Horn Frogs, I think are, are an absolute sleeper team this year. And I hate the fact that they were a nine seed. If they were a 10, I might have them even making their way to the sweet 16, but unfortunately they're not. They're a nine seed and they're taking on Seton Hall and they're going to win. Give me the horn frogs, purple and what silver, I guess. Those are the two main colors. Sure. Whatever. Uh, it's no Jamie Dixon, who was the former pick coach. I can't pick him and his team go Seton Hall. It's the pirates all the way. No, nah, this is Horn Frogs. Uh, party down at TCU once that place gets wild. That was a fun time. Shout Fort out Fort Worth. Worth. What up? Shout out Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> All right, Houston and UAB. Uh, this year, remember the kid last year from Ohio that everybody loved? The guy who scored a bunch of buckets. I always I forget his name. Uh, UAB has that guy this year. His nickname is Jelly. Jelly uh, Walker. <laughs> Jelly Walker. It seems like you know he's captivated the nation. He got they got a really tough, really tough first draw. If they were playing like UConn, I would much rather like UAB in this matchup. But I really like Houston. And I was talking to John Crispin. He called the uh, AAC championship game on Sunday. And he said Houston's looked as good as they've looked all year. Give me the Cougs. Houston bouncing back after the final four run last year, winning the first round over UAB. Yeah, I Kelvin Sampson does a great job wherever he goes, right? I mean, look, I was so high on Houston last year. Uh, Dragons. Dragons win all the time. Give me Jelly Walker and the UAB Blazers. This is, this is to me, the toughest pick of them all because you have a Dragon versus a team in Houston that has so much going for it. I don't know why I think of NAS every time I see that word. Um, both of these things can fly uh rockets and dragons but i have to say i'm going with the dragons when you can breathe fire it's just it's yes just much baby better. houston we have a problem all and right it's jelly walker it's it, it's written in stone it's written in stone all right uh number four in the south we have illinois taking on number 13 ut chaganuga uh utc dramatic finish to win their conference championship. Illinois, I love that team. I love Kofi Coburn. A uh, lot of size. I don't think UTC is going to be able to match up with it, but I really want to take UTC, but we got some more upsets coming along the way. So I'm going to stick with the Illini, uh, and we're going to see a 4-5 matchup there in the second round between the Illini and Houston. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I, I just – Chattanooga is an interesting pick to look at you're like ooh, ooh, wait a minute this could be the upset but uh kofi coburn's so good and then uh the, just the the way that their guards play the, in the in the conference tournament even though they lost to indiana in the semis or uh, in the quarters rather uh illinois just 
was getting after it on the boards. I think they're too talented, too big uh, to lose to a team like Chattanooga. So give me the Illini. Yeah, both both interesting team names. Chattanooga, fun to say. Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. Oh, oh there it is. It's just really crazy all over the place. They're more unique. They have more pronunciations. They go on to win. All right, Colorado State taking on Michigan. I hate that Michigan's in this bracket. I hate that they're even playing for the national, uh, you know, get a chance to even play for the national championship. And yeah, I'm going to take them to my year in football. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to take them to win over Colorado state. They're battle tested. Colorado state has not played a top 25 team all year. I know people really like that team. I hate that I'm taking Michigan. I can't stress this enough, but I'm taking Michigan. I imagine knowing the both of you, I have an idea of where you're going with this one. Yeah, the Rams are uh, the Rams are slow, uh, Colorado State Rams, uh, but they're efficient. And I think if you can get out uh, and score a little bit on this Michigan team, play a little bit of defense, uh, you, you let let Hunter Dickinson and and Devontae Jones do what they're going to do. Right? If those are the two guys that beat you, you can walk away from a tournament game saying you did your best. But I don't think those two guys can beat this Colorado State team. I think they're better than everyone thinks they are. Out of the Mountain West, give me the Colorado State Rams. Um, my, uh, you guys probably don't know this, but I, my parents actually own a lake house in Michigan. I'm really fond of the lakes. I, I like Michigan. I'm going to go Michigan. It's a good time. All right. There we go. Yeah. Uh, up next, a trendy Final Four pick, a team that many people think were screwed based off their season or seeding, rather, number three, Tennessee going up against the Longwood Lancers. You guys probably don't know this too much, but I have some personal connections with Longwood University. I got recruited to play college baseball there. I took official visits there. I've been to Farmville, Virginia. Yes, Facebook video game. Farmville. is where the Longwood University <laughs> is for at. Real? They are this yeah. year's, for real, Farmville, Virginia. That is the actual name of Longwood. This is my cinderella darling of the 2022 season yes i'm biased but that school gets up for their teams it's borderline cultish i love the lancers tennessee just won the sec they're riding off of a high and they're going to have their story cut short longwood for days give me the lancers i might even have a hat wait, still in there wait, did, did longwood for us? days yeah longwood gets up for their team i'm really excited too jeff i'm going with longwood just just based off name alone then farmville all of this are you kidding me there's no way tennessee has a shot there's, there's no way tennessee has a shot except they play as physical and as <laughs> doesn't as matter adept, when you're going as, up against as, that longwood as teams Scott. that they had when they had admiral schofield Who's that five nine guard Tennessee has? He just fills holes like a like an unbelievable Longwood, uh, but this guy just like gets it done. Tennessee is such a good team, underrated as the SEC champion on the three line. Come on, it's volunteers all all the way. All right, we'll see. Uh, up next, seven ten matchup: Ohio State versus Sister Jean. Chicago. Now we've doubted Loyola Chicago right last year after their final horse. And we all know the power of sister Jean. She's a magic worker. She's a magician. She's a sorceress. Everybody in America is going to pick Loyola Chicago to win this game. Uh, and, and John Rothstein kind of stole my take earlier today on this exact topic, but I love me 
some sister Jean as much as anybody, you got to fade the noise, baby. You got to fade the public. Give me Ohio State, Chris Holtman. They get it done. They beat Loyola Chicago. I mean, that's fine, right? Like, you can fade all the No, noise. Porter Moser. Porter, Moore, Porter Moser was the heartbeat of that team. He's the head coach it at Oklahoma matter. now. It doesn't matter. And I'll tell you what. Look, one of my cousins goes to Loyola Chicago. Shout out to Fee. Love her. Uh, also love Sister Jean and, and what Loyola is doing down there. And I'm setting up for a Jesuit matchup in the second round. You'll see this. Uh, but Ohio State lost to Penn State in the first or second round of the Big Ten tournament. I cannot pick a team. As much as I love Penn State, I cannot pick a team that lost to Penn State basketball. Okay, so it's Loyola Chicago, and there's no questions about it. Give me, give me the Ramblers. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Loyola Chicago as well. Um, because when I think Loyola, I think out in California, Southern California, Loyola, um, LMU, all that stuff, and Chicago is a good time. Um, both places I like. I love Ohio State too. Actually, really fun place to go, uh, hang out, party, and I live in the state of Ohio. But we're going Loyola and Chicago. All right. Next up, Villanova, Delaware, to wrap up this South. I'm not picking anyone else. Wildcats, Jay Wright for days. Yep. Give me Jay Wright and them boys. Con Gillespie, stud. Love Villanova. Vito's on Villanova. Scotty, you're on Villanova. We're all on Villanova. Yeah, right, I told you. It's a on. Jesuit matchup Final. in the second round. Jesuit matchup in the second round. Villanova and Loyola, Chicago. All right. Final one. Kansas. We're all in. Give us the Jayhawks. San Diego State versus Creighton. This is one I honestly have no real firm idea about other than I just love Greg McDaniels. Uh, uh, God, I almost said Greg McDaniels. Um, Greg McDermott, head coach there. I'm taking Creighton to win that one. Big East riding high. Yeah, man. I mean, they were the they were in that only game I saw a year against Villanova, and that tall dude in the center was pretty badass, so I'm going with Creighton. Ooh. Aztecs, let's do it. I look the eight nines are, are so unpredictable, but look, I, like San Diego State scores or scores a lot, and they they only let up less than sixty points a game. I, I'm I'm taking the Aztecs. All right, moving on. Iowa Big Ten champs taking on Richmond. The A10 heartthrobs. Iowa's playing as good a basketball as anybody in the country right now. I am a big time Hawkeye fan. Give me the Hawkeyes. Family business, baby. Just football, now, basketball, doesn't matter. Family business. If your family is Iowa, you, sh- you have some problems, and you should reevaluate that. Uh, but give me Richmond and the Spiders. They have five super seniors. They were the sixth seed and blasted through the 8-10 tournament. Give me the Richmond Spiders. I love the way that, that this team is playing. It's led by Grant Golden down in the middle. I, I love the way that they play. Rich what? Richmond. Rich what? Richmond. I watched Coach Carter like three days ago. We're going Richmond all oh, day. Great movie. And, great and, movie. And you get the Ted Lasso, AFC Richmond, too. There's going to be a lot of Richmond fans. But as a oh. JMU person. Come on, like, Richmond. Being as a JMU person, Richmond is like what Michigan State is for Penn State. Can't, can't get myself to do it. Fighters all in here. Um, all right. Up next, Providence and South Dakota State all for Providence because really, really like team South state can absolutely light it up. They've had multiple guys go back to Mike Dom three years ago, dude who was averaging like 30 points a game in the NCAA. Uh, I'm taking South Dakota state here in the upset because they shoot almost 45% from three as a team. 
give me the Jackrabbits. Shout out to Dallas Goddard. That's that's a, a good pick for an upset. I really like that, Jeff. But uh, San Diego or uh, San Diego State, we have two SD states in this one, uh, in this side of the bracket. Uh, South Dakota State, rather, is uh, is on a twenty one game winning streak. Uh, to to the credit of Kansas and, and their seeding, the three teams behind them in the two, three, and four seeds are limping into the tournament in uh, in Auburn, Wisconsin, and Providence. So. Providence is on upset alert, but I'm going to take them to get through their first round game and uh, and make it on uh, into the second round. The Friars, yeah, I'm heading to Providence later this year for nice. a wedding. So nice, yeah, I'm I'm in on Providence too. Just um, like used as a mythical name, like oh, we're going to Providence, like all this stuff, and I love I love that and and the fact that they're really a thing. And plus, uh, like I'm going there over South Dakota state. So here we that go. should be, that should be like code from tripping acid. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. going to Providence. I'm going to Providence. Now we'll say, I love Ed Cooley. I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. Uh, that whole area, that whole state has gone behind Providence, obviously Rhode Island small. Um, and I do think if they get past South Dakota state, I think they make a run. I think there's a chance for see them in the final four I, I just want people to know that's how highly i think of providence but south dakota state is so lethal from three that if they get hot and continue shooting the way that they can i just i think it's going to be a problem for for providence because you you know you just run into bus halls like that sometimes with really good shooting teams who are higher seats uh lsu and iowa state lsu just fired their head coach because of ncaa accusations there's gonna be a lot of trendy people taking iowa state and i'm going to be one of them because i think iowa state is the most underrated arguably team in this entire bracket i'm so happy that they were found found a way to get into this tournament they have competed in a really really tough big 12 conference this year and have done as well as anybody give me the cyclones i think lsu is absolutely in disarray no idea who's coaching that team there's a little bit of that no one believes in us stuff but i still like the cyclones give me iowa state it's so much harder at this time of year to dig into that no one believes in us than it is in lsu situation to the what the hell is happening to us right iowa state also beat texas tech Texas, TCU, Iowa, Memphis, Xavier, all tournament teams. They struggled down the stretch, but Oldsenberger's got them where they want them. Uh, They've won, what, let's see, uh, five of their their last 11 games. So, like, I love Iowa State, too. I'm going LSU, uh, Death Valley, you know, uh, just Joey Burrow. They're, They're hot. Go Tigers. Uh, Wisconsin Colgate. I really like this Wisconsin team, veteran leadership, as well as Johnny Davis. They hit everything you need. Strong veteran backcourt, good head coach, NBA player. Give me the Badgers. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm more of a crest guy myself. Fuck Colgate. We're going Wisconsin. Colgate upset. There we go. All right. Last two here in the first round, USC Miami. I like the Trojans. Uh, Miami's long and athletic on discipline team. I'm taking the Trojans here to uh, upset my or to beat Miami as the seventh seed. Not an upset, not an upset not an at upset. all. It's USC all the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking uh, the U um, mostly because I would just love to see this matchup in like a 2002, 2003 football. Like, the, <laughs> Oh my God. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Will's oh McGahee. We got yeah. robbed of a national championship that looked like that. And then I think we're all on Bruce Pearl and Auburn here. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Jacksonville State. We're moving on. No, from I'm All on right. Jacksonville State. 
Are no, you I'm actually okay. no <laughs> All right. round of 32? We're going to speed up from here. The first round, we talked about each team, so we're going to move a lot a little higher pace to get you guys out here and on to the rest of your week. And Zaga, Memphis for me, I'm taking the Zags to move on to the Sweet 16. Absolutely, Same it's a ride or die. <laughs> All yeah. right, uh, round two, I have UConn, Arkansas. I'm riding the must bus. I love that team, I love the energy. We're taking them all the way up to the Sweet 16 to square off against Gonzaga. Here's why UConn's winning the first round. Don't be surprised if you see them on the second weekend of the tournament. It's UConn. I have New Mexico State and Vermont, so uh, I'm going <laughs> New Mexico State here. Um, I love you know it. What? No, I'm going Vermont. I'm going Vermont. Catamounts, the fighting Tom Brennans. I love uh, that pick, though, Vito. I love it. Here we go. Uh, for I got Texas Tech moving on to the Sweet 16. For me, I like Rutgers, and like I said, I think they'll make their way to the round of 32. Uh, I just really believe in this Texas Tech team. I'm going to take them there to uh, find their way to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I have the same matchup. I think Texas Tech is just too talented uh, to to – miss out on a chance to get to the sweet 16 uh if not further so give me the give me the red raiders yeah their, their mascot has two guns for the two teams they're playing Rutgers and notre dame on my bracket and they're gonna shoot them both and move on <laughs> bang bang they've exhausted uh, their bullets though Vito. what's gonna happen next round <laughs> hey well maybe that's maybe that's when we'll wrap up and the last one here duke and davidson uh i, I as i think this is gonna be a really tight game i think this is gonna be a nail biter uh obviously both two carolina schools but uh, I do think the Coach K ride continues. I got the top four seeds all moving on to the round, uh, Sweet 16 here in the uh, – what do we got? The West bracket. Yeah, I like Duke here too. It's just it, – it's it's a no-brainer to me. Like, the, it's it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close, but Duke wins. Davidson. Davidson all the way, bro. They were so close. I, I love the lake over there. It's, it's a beautiful place. I'm in. All right. Steph Curry's Davidson on the way. Moving right. down to the east. Uh, I have North Carolina Baylor, and I'm going to take the Tar Heels here to upset Baylor in the Oof. round of 32. I think they find a way to get it done. And, and more than anything, I think this jump starts the Hubert Davis era and gets those North Carolina fans excited about the future. I like the Tar Heels, so give me North Carolina. That's not a bad pick. Eight seeds when they get to the second round win uh, 30% more of the time than three to seven seeds. So uh, good pick by you, Jeff. Uh, I have Baylor and Marquette. I think Baylor moves on, though. Shaka Smart is a genius, but Baylor is just too talented. I'm still riding the at from Marquette. I'm taking them to beat Baylor. It's hard to repeat as national championship champions, even when you get, you know, to get through the second round. It's what makes this tournament beautiful. Uh, St. Mary's UCLA, I like the Bruins to get back to the Sweet 16 for the second consecutive year. Love me some Mick Cronin. Go Bruins. I got... Indiana UCLA in a blue blood matchup in the round of 32, but UCLA and Mick Cronin is just, just too tough in there. And, and again, too talented. I, I think Indiana, the way that, that, that they play in often uh, offensively, they're really good. And on defense, they're really good too. Uh, uh, but I, I don't think it's enough for, for UCLA who was in, uh, in the top four for most of the year. So give me the Bruins. Um, UCLA all the way. I mean, I watched so many episodes of Turtle at UCLA yesterday. I seriously, I watched like six of them. It's like most of season six. It's pretty solid. So we're going with them. All right. I got Purdue next, heading on to the Sweet 16 uh, to square off against Kentucky. I think that's what's going to wrap up there, the Sweet 16 in the bottom half of that region. 
What about the same thing? Have the same thing. Purdue, Kentucky. Yep. Yeah, I want USF to move on, but Kentucky's just too athletic. <laughs> just too athletic. Purdue and Kentucky, yeah, and and Virginia Tech, even as the ACC championship uh, champion, I don't think uh, will outlast Purdue. Beautiful. All right, and we're gonna real rapid fire here because I know we're going crazy long. But I got Arizona and TCU squaring off, and I'm taking the uh, Wildcats. Go Arizona, and they're gonna Cats, take yeah. they're gonna take on Houston. I know they just made the final four last year, but I believe in Calvin Sampson and that team. I think they've done a hell of a job building that program. It's not Jelly Walker's taking them. UAB beats Illinois to take on Arizona in the Sweet 16. Uh, I have Illinois taking down the Dragons. They're, it's so confusing. A dragon just going to faint because it doesn't know what it's reading. So Illinois goes on and, and takes on Arizona. All right. To wrap up the Sweet 16 in that bracket, I got – Michigan versus Longwood and the Lancers. I'm holding my Longwood hat right here. The Lancers are getting it done. They're it's finding a way to the. It is a hat. It's, it's actual Longwood. <laughs> it's. I'm not showing my Longwood on the Zoom, everybody. I want you to know that. <laughs> All right, and uh, and they're going to take on Villanova there to see who battles on to get to the Elite Eight. I have the same thing. Tennessee moves on and beats the Rams. Loyola Chicago takes down. Villanova. No way Loyola Chicago is, all right, it's your bracket, but no way Loyola Chicago does. In the Battle of Jesuits, Loyola Chicago and the Sister Jeans win. It's Tennessee and Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16. All right. Uh, and to wrap up here in the Midwest, I have Kansas beating Creighton, and then Iowa, the Hawkeyes going up against South Dakota State. That would be a very fun matchup because they're basically two versions of the same team. Iowa's played better opponents. Iowa gets it done. They're taking on Kansas in the Sweet 16. Kansas scrapes, or Kansas wins handily. Providence scrapes by Richmond uh, to end the dream run for the Richmond Spiders. It's Kansas and Providence in the Sweet 16 for me. Now, Rich what? Richmond. Kansas versus Richmond. They get it done against Providence. All right. You guys are high on the Spiders. All right, here we go. To wrap up the last of the Sweet 16, Iowa State taking on Wisconsin. The Cyclones' dream run continues, and they will take on Auburn in the Sweet 16. I've got the 11-14 matchup in the second round. Iowa State against Colgate, and Iowa State moves on. How about that? The 11 seed in the Sweet 16. I'm going with the Wisconsin. They're ranked the third in their bracket, and I just noticed that. And after the third quarter, they do the jump around. They're keeping on going. They're going to do well. All right, and that leads us to now our final 16 teams. Arkansas takes down Gonzaga and moves their way to the lead eight. And Texas Tech kills Coach K. I got Arkansas and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight out of the West region. Wow. Wow. Uh, Gonzaga's moving on. They're just too talented, too experienced. Uh, UConn, for all the experience they have, I just don't think it's going to be Gonzaga and Mark Few. Uh, they're moving on, and they're going to play Duke in the Elite Eight. No, Gonzaga's going to go play Davidson in the Elite Eight. Ooh. Oh, I love, I love this. It. I love it, too. <laughs> I love it, too. It's so good. All right. Uh, now to the East. UNC, UCLA. Couple of another blue bloods, beautiful uniform matchup there as well. Mm. Grr, give me the Tar Heels, they're getting there. All right, and then Purdue, wow. 
Purdue and Kentucky. I love Kentucky. I think Kentucky is really awesome. Setting up another blue blood matchup between UNC and the Elite Eight. I've got UCLA taking down Marquette. The Ets finally lose to the Turtle UCLA uh, bandwagon I'm on, and they take on Kentucky uh, from the other side. Man, I just don't believe was in Big Ten be schools. I don't know why. I just don't like. I just can't see us winning. That was going to be mine. And Purdue lets me down all the time, but I'm going to do it anyway. Purdue beats Kentucky with their size, uh, and and UCLA beats Baylor because I don't think Baylor's consistent enough to win six games in a row. So UCLA Purdue in the in the uh, in the Elite Ooh. Eight there. That's interesting. All right. Uh, next up, I got Arizona taking down Houston. And Villanova ending the Longwood run, which I'll be happy in that game either way because, hey, Longwood ties and obviously my Villanova boys. Uh, but I get the one-two matchup there in the South. It's so sad to see. I have the same thing, but it's going to suck when Longwood's out. But uh, I do think it happens to Nova. It's so sad. It's not. Nova's losing to Loyola Chicago. You can bank on that. Arizona's getting there. And uh, Tennessee, the Longhorns in there, toughness beat out the ramblers of Loyola Chicago. Sorry, Sophia, that your run has to end at the sweet 16, but. All right. And that leaves us with the final uh, four teams in the Midwest. Uh, I have Kansas knocking out Iowa and I have the Auburn Tigers. I love Bruce Pearl. I love that team pro good backcourt, good front court as well uh, as well. Well, I should say feisty backcourt in that Auburn team, but I love them. And then, uh, yeah, so that's what I got. I got Kansas taking on Auburn in the Elite Eight. Absolutely. This is where Providence slips up. Uh, and they've been a good team all year, but not good enough to beat Kansas. Uh, Iowa State got there on a miracle because they beat Wisconsin. This is one of those tournament runs you like. Iowa State beat Wisconsin. They beat uh, Colgate, who who also made the upset. Uh, or rather, uh, I'm sorry, Iowa State beats LSU. And they beat Colgate, who made the upset of Wisconsin. So Iowa State, the 11th seed, taking on Auburn. Not a matchup you want to see. It's Auburn in Kansas in the Elite Eight. Yeah, so for me, out of of this Midwest side, I have Richmond pulling off the upset over Kansas, getting to the matchup against Wisconsin, the number three seed. That is how I round out my Elite Eight. I love that. And uh, that takes us to our final eight teams. I have Arkansas taking down Texas Tech. Arkansas finds their way in the final four. And I also have the University of Kentucky knocking out Hubert Davis's North Carolina Tar Heels to set up an Arkansas-Kentucky SEC matchup. It's been the best conference in college basketball. Give me two SEC squads there in the final four. It's Gonzaga and Duke. Can Gonzaga finally do it? Can Coach K get a championship in his final year? It's going to be Duke because Coach K and the story is moving on to the Final Four out of the West bracket, uh, despite Gonzaga playing all those home games uh, up in the Northwest. And then UCLA Purdue uh, on the in the East bracket for me. I hate to do this. I hate to do it, but a Big Twelve or a Big Big Ten Pac twelve matchup. I can't take the the Pac twelve team. It's going to be Purdue in the Final Four for me. Ooh. Yeah, I, I have um, – so up top, I got Davidson taking out Gonzaga. They're moving on to the Final Four. All right, we're, we're running this. Davidson, you're, you're all get over the hump. Davidson. They almost beat Kansas with Steph Curry to get to the Final Four, and no Steph Curry. They're going to the Final Four this year. 
Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm saying. You're if not Mark, saying it. I'm saying it. If Mark Few loses to Davidson to not get back to the Final Four, that would that would cause some problems. Yeah, uh, so, all right. Any yeah, just your final thoughts. No, no, you, you got to give your other team out of yeah. the East. I'm going with UCLA over Kentucky. Ooh, Davidson, UCLA. Second straight. How fun would that be? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, And then on the other half of the bracket, I have Arizona knocking off Villanova. That's where the run ends for my Wildcats. But a different set of Wildcats ends up winning there. And uh, Mm -hmm. I really like that Arizona team. And then I I have Auburn knocking off Kentucky to give me three SEC teams in the Final Four. I know that seems high, but the SEC, I do felt like by season's end was that much better than the big 12 and the big 10, which were both excellent conferences this year, but give me Auburn and Bruce Pearl to take on Arizona in the final four. Yeah. To me, it's an Arizona, Tennessee matchup uh, in the elite eight in the, uh, in the, uh, the South bracket. Arizona's just too talented, too good. Uh, Tennessee has had a dream run. Uh, and and I think they're they're a really aggressive team. The problem is that Arizona can score a lot uh, and score well, and they play really good defense. Uh, great guard play, love guard play. Give me the Wildcats into the Final Four. I hate doing that. I pick Arizona all the time. There's there's like four teams in this tournament I pick all the time to get there, and they and they never do. And it's like Arizona, Kansas, Duke, and and Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, I I'm picking Nova because I watched them play, so they're gonna beat Arizona. Uh, then, and then on the other side, man, it sucks. But Wisconsin with that three is going to beat Richmond. I don't know if we're just doing up top, but I went ahead to Midwest too. Um, and that's my final four over there. So yeah, Kansas is out of the Midwest for me. Yeah. So for mine, I got my final four is Davidson, UCLA, and then Villanova and Wisconsin. Ooh, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun final four. I have Arkansas, Kentucky, and then Arizona and Auburn. I love me the Wildcats of Kentucky. I love me the must bus. I think Kentucky's got a little bit too much. I think this has been that under the radar great season that Kentucky's been waiting for. And I like Kentucky to move on to the national championship. And then between Arizona and Auburn, you know, I, I think Arizona has everything you need from it. And, and their head coach there, you know, Tommy Lloyd, disciple of Mark Few. I really like how that team's play. They have a ton of talent. I'm taking Arizona. And uh, to set up a Kentucky Arizona blue blood style national championship. So I have Duke Purdue on the uh, the left side of the bracket in the final four. Arizona and Kansas on the right side. I think Duke is just too good in a, of a team for Purdue to face. They, Purdue has a lot of size, but Duke it, it, at this point, if you get to the final four, you're on a mission, and that's to win one for Coach K. Duke advances to the championship game and they will play Kansas who just absolutely is lights out on both sides of the ball. Uh, Bill self liked the seating that he got in the, uh, in the, the bracket. And I think they ride that all the way through uh, a win against Arizona. It's Duke and Kansas in the championship game for me. Oh man. I have UCLA finally ends Davidson's run, uh, but the UCLA turtles, as I'm calling them now on uh, move on because of entourage and entourage. Nova, man, Nova. What can you say more about Nova? They take off of Wisconsin. Um, you know, uh, Philly guy here. My sister went to Nova. Love Nova. Let's go. My boy G has a tattoo of Nova. He got before they won. Other than they went to win. Love it. Shout out. And, Jenkins for the um, championship. And so if you don't mind, I would like to start off with my championship here. I have take Nova it. 
finishing it off, beating the UCLA Turtles, winning 65 to 63. And we party our asses off because the closest school to my home uh, wins a national championship. That would probably make this one of the greatest runs of any college basketball team of all time. 2016 to 2022, three national championships in there. Not bad. Not bad. That would be as great. I mean, that's six years, only five championship or six championships, and they would have won three of them. That would be unbelievable for my man, Jay Wright. Love it. Vita or Scotty. All right. I've got Duke and Kansas in the national championship game. Both are teams that, as I alluded to earlier, I always pick and always let me down. So somebody's going to let me down. And I think it's going to be the Kansas Jayhawks again. Duke finishes its run with Coach K. He goes out on top, rides into the sunset. If that were true, it would be the Kansas Jayhawks and Bill Self winning the championship. Nah, you were going to take Duke until I booed you. No, I love the Jayhawks. Rock right. Chalk, I do. KU. I do like this Kansas team. I do love Bill Self as well. I got Kentucky and Arizona, and I think this will be an all-time championship game. I think these two teams match up really, really well. Uh, John Rothstein stole some of my steam earlier today on part of my take, so this is going to sound like I just stole it from him, but I was riding this Arizona team for the majority of the season. I love them. I love this whole setup. First championship since Richard Jefferson was there. Right. Didn't they win the title in like 2000? They were the last Pac-12 team to win a championship in the NCAA tournament. And they do it again in the year 2022. And they take down the Kentucky Wildcats. 74, 71. Give me Arizona. And it's going to be one hell of uh, a tournament. So everybody, as as our friend Lane Kiffin said, get your popcorn ready. Because this is freaking March Madness. Can't wait. Long pod today. Thank you, boys, for hopping on. And uh, we will be back. We're going to do a full free agency recap, and we're going to do a full just check-in on everything on Thursday night. Get it ready for Friday. We'll touch a little bit on the first round of the matchups from the tournament. And then we'll do a full recap on Monday next week of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. So, Vito, Scotty, thank you, boys, for hopping on. Thank you for listening. My favorite time of year. We will be back on the read option. You know how we do it. So everybody have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you guys on Friday and uh, let the madness begin. Go Dons. And for the one time this year, I will say no need to take it easy, boys, because it's madness time. So let your inner craziness out. Take it easy. Everybody.